Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Thanks, everybody, for your continued support of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Just by listening to this, you're supporting the show. But if you want to go the extra mile, if you've already subscribed on iTunes, if you've already left the five-star rating and you've left a review, then you can also help us out by being a part of the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast premium experience on Stitcher Premium. Let me tell you about this. Go to stitcher.com slash not Sam, and you'll be able to sign up to be a part of the premium experience for Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. What entails? Well, what that entails is an ad-free version of this podcast each and every week. Uploads the same time, but you'll get an exclusive ad-free version of the show and you'll get a bonus show. Every other Monday, a new captive audience comes out over at stitcher.com slash notsam. Exclusive to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast premium listeners. And what that means is every two weeks, you're going to get to watch along with me and my wife or my dad or my friend from school or some uh, celebrities from the world of sports entertainment that want to be involved in this thing as we watch an old show available on the WWE Network. So far, I've made my watch my wife watched stuff like uh, uh, Uncensored 95 and New Blood Rising. We just watched Royal Rumble 99. I made my dad watch WrestleMania 9. And I try to explain to them what's going on as they really have no context for any of this and would never, never watch these shows. That's why they're a captive audience. The only place you can get that show is over at stitcher.com slash notsam. Sign up today to be a part of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the premium experience, and enjoy today's Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. What a time to be a wrestling podcaster. Welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Coming off of an amazing weekend in New Orleans. I'm about uh, 48 hours removed from landing here in New York. My mind is still a, a, a blur from everything that went down as a part of WrestleMania weekend. I can't believe some of you psychopaths end up staying through Tuesday. Although, next year when WrestleMania is here in New York, I'm sure I'm going to end up going to Raw and SmackDown and all that stuff, but I just can't believe, as I'm watching SmackDown on Tuesday, I could not believe that the experience was still going on for an arena full of people. And I mean, I got to imagine that everybody was that was at SmackDown this week had been in New Orleans at least since... Saturday or Sunday, if not probably most of them around from when I got there, which was Thursday. I'm going to get into my entire New Orleans experience, my WrestleMania experience, maybe uh, the positives that you saw, some of the negatives that you saw. I'll get into all of that today on the podcast in that bridge segment after the interview. Uh, We've got 
So much to break down in State of Wrestling this week. From TakeOver to WrestleMania to Raw to SmackDown to the Superstar Shakeup. I don't honestly see how we'll fit all of this into one podcast, but we're going to try. And of course, we're going to reflect on the reaction to the lineup that we talked about last week on the podcast leading to WrestleMania. So a lot to get into this week. And before we get into any of it, you know we like to start with an interview. This week, we're going to start with two interviews. That's right, two. I was a part of WrestleMania Radio Row, and uh, I'll have interviews this week and next week from Radio Row uh, with some of the the talent that we all got to talk to. Radio Row was a really fun time. I had Booker T on one side of me doing his heated conversation show. I had Macaulay Culkin on the other side of me doing his Rabbit Ears or Bunny Rabbit or whatever it's called podcast, whichever the one that Macaulay Culkin hosts. Uh, that's who I had on the other side of me. And it was a really... It was a really, really fun experience. On the other side of the rails, uh, Pat McAfee, or is it McAfee? And the boys from Barstool Sports were doing their show. Busted Open from SiriusXM was there. A whole bunch of local talent uh, in terms of radio show hosts were there. All the guys that I usually see, um, whether they come in from uh, the the they come in from California, they come in from all over the place. There's a group of radio people. Peter Rosenberg was there. A group of radio people. I've been doing uh, Radio Row for, I think since WrestleMania 29 was my first WrestleMania Radio Row. Because I didn't go 24 I went to, uh, and they didn't have Radio Row. 25, 26, 27, 28, I didn't go to those WrestleManias. 29 I went to here in New York, and I did Radio Row. And every WrestleMania since then, I've done Radio Row. I've also, they would sometimes do Radio Rows for SummerSlam shows in LA, and, and a bunch of those. And they're always... Some of my favorite things to do, and and you know you can go and peruse through my YouTube channel at YouTube slash Not Sam and find some of the stuff that I've done on these uh, radio row shows. But you just end up getting to talk to all this amazing talent, and it will all be coming up on the YouTube channel. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll also uh, it was also on Sirius XM. So I had, I have an interview with AJ Styles that will be on the YouTube channel. It will not be on the podcast. Uh, so if you want to hear it, you can hear it now if you have the SiriusXM app. Just uh, Google or search Samomania in the on-demand section, and you can find the interview as part of that show. Or you can wait until it airs uh, in its entirety on YouTube, and I'll post the video of it once that video is done being edited. But today, we got a couple of interviews. We're going to start with a guy who had a very controversial match at WrestleMania, and his name is Braun Strowman. It was all about getting these hands at WrestleMania this year. And uh, Braun Strowman and where he's at right now is kind of an amazing thing to bear witness to. Uh, it's It's a fun time to be able to talk to Braun. And it was something that I wanted to share with all you guys. This is coming direct. We did this the Friday before WrestleMania. That was this past Friday. I can't believe that. At Radio Row, uh, which was at WWE Fan Access there in New Orleans. Uh, The first of two guests this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast is none other than the monster among men, Braun Strowman. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. It's Media Row here at WrestleMania, and the monster 
among men has arrived. What's the haps, Braun Strowman? Yeah, just taking it all in, man. This whole week is just unreal. Like, I'm getting really amped up for Sunday and stuff. Just been out eating the food and trying to get a little rest, and Bourbon Street's not wanting to let me do it. But <laughs> enjoying the whole process of everything. New Orleans is such a fun city, and it's just, yeah, it's WrestleMania week. You know, yeah. it's, 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 it's here. What do you credit? I mean, you've had kind of this incredible evolution over the last like year really i mean a year and a half maybe yeah a year since the draft really yeah yeah yeah, yeah i would agree with that but it, it started with just like this character being built and you going through james ellsworth and the run of yeah. enhancement guys but it's gone way beyond that to the point where like in the ring it's not just a character it's you developing yes right and yes what do you what do you credit that to a lot of it is is WWE's creative really hitting the nail on the head with everything that we do, and then a lot of it has to do with just my work ethic. I I want to be the best. I, I don't believe in going out and competing for second place. If I can't be the best at something, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's stuck in the back of my head. I, I had that mentality when I competed in World's Strongest Man, and I brought that mentality over here. I'm going to be a WWE Hall of Famer. I'm going to main event WrestleMania. And that's just the, the fact of it, and I believe that attests to why and where we are now with the character. So do you, when you, when you get a WrestleMania like this where you're in a, a story about the tag team championship, do you feel like, oh, I should be main eventing, or are you going like, this is, I got a great story going in right now. I got plenty of time. To I got, that's this. the thing. Everyone's like, oh, you should be in the main event title, bitch. I said, no. I was like, I just, I'm just getting started. I'm just wetting my beak right now. Right. I said, we got a lot more to do. And why, 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 why rush everything right now? I said, the, the machine's behind me. The, the universe is behind me. Let's enjoy this. Let's have fun. Let's go out there and we'll do it together. Yeah. And that's what's been great. I mean, that's, that's the way I feel. That's what's been great about your, your rise is that not, you, you leave us wanting more. You know what I mean, yeah. and that's how longevity gets yeah. built. Yeah, and I think that that's what's and, happening. And, and that's the that's the whole the key of the thing. Like uh, I, I, Vince McMahon is a genius, and he has been very hands on with the development of Braun Strowman and the stunts that we do, and all the segments and everything, and 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 it's working. Yeah. I mean, it's there. There's no if, ands, or buts. It's working. And I'm enjoying the process. I'm having such an amazing time, like traveling around the world, uh, entertaining my fans and seeing the kids and everything. It's it's really humbling to me because I'm a, a country boy from a little town in Sherrillsford, North Carolina, and I just man, I, I got an unbelievable job. Yeah, yeah, and especially now, and and you're 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 so right about or at least what it seems like in terms of Vince McMahon's uh, interest in hands-on nature. I remember I was at the Raw. Uh, where the where you tipped over the ambulance, which was one of the first big stunts yep. that you did, and I mean I get there and before the show, Vince is right there yep. looking at the ambulance. How are we gonna do the whole thing? Like and and it's just so refreshing to see somebody that's the top of this company that is so massive getting his hands yeah. on, on, on it to that level. And, and and that's the thing, like, every big stunt that you've seen, and he's been there, and it's funny because a couple of times uh, we've had to edit him out because he makes the accidental Stan Lee appearance <laughs> in the thing and steps out, and you, go, oh, and you see him step out, and he goes back out. But, yeah, and, it's, and it, it is. He, he steps out from meetings and everything trying to put Raw together to get out there to make sure everything is perfect and how he wants it, and then it's come off, and that's why it's working. That's going to give you an incredible amount of confidence that not only do you have this vision of your character and you like where it's going right now but you know that Vince McMahon has this vision because if if, if he didn't have a vision for your character he's not sitting there the reason he's I would imagine he's watching 
every detail of those stunts is because he already sees them in his head. Yes, and, you know, that, he knows he, why that, and, that, and that's with everything, and I, and that's why another reason why I work so hard is because I one I don't want to let my fans and family and stuff down, but also the man that has invested everything. He pretty much, he took a shot in the dark with me when I debuted. It was the eighth time I'd ever wrestled. Yeah, and I mean, and it was it was it was crazy because you were in NXT, but not in you were at the yeah. performance center. Yeah, you'd been on TV. Yeah. You'd been and they, they did a they kind of kept me hush hush, and we did. They brought me with the Wyatt family, which was amazing for me. It was it allowed me to work on my weaknesses and polish out my game and, and develop into the monster among men. And then basically the draft, they they pulled us apart and they took me to the deep end of the pool and he kicked me in the butt and said sink or swim. But it was nice because it took time. Like, it was months yeah. of you with enhancement talent. Yep. Like, it was not, like, two weeks of enhancement talent, and now he's going to beat up the champion. Yeah. It's like, no, yeah. we're going to really and that, establish that We did this. such a good job with callousing the audience to when you hear the roar that you know stuff's about to go down. Right. Braun's coming out, and something's getting destroyed. <laughs> Someone's getting destroyed, and we're going to have fun doing it. Yeah, you just get excited for it. Has, do you Have you worried about any of the stunts because – with stunts like that, they go in one of two ways. It either looks awesome or it looks like a cheesy movie. Yep. And I think so far, the vast majority, if not all of them, have been awesome. Yeah. And, you, and you, I think you get that response yeah. from the fans. Yep. You know when it works. Um, do you wor- Have you worried at all about any of them? I, like, I, I've ah. had a couple of them that I've, I've, when we were talking about it when they were trying to, excuse me, um, basically run it through, run it by me, the ideas, and I'm trying to visualize it, and I can, and I'm kind of, uh, but then again, that's what I still, I, I take the step back, and I go, this is coming from Vince, and I know that what he's thinking isn't exactly what I'm thinking, and I don't want to overthink this till I get to talk to him, and we, we sit down and iron everything out, and then I go, my God, I didn't even think of that. How do you, you're like, it blows my mind how creative he is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, at what point did you guys all realize that Braun Strowman's a good guy? He's a baby face. Like, like, <laughs> like you know, I, I kind of, for me, way early on, I was like, I'm watching this dude. And like, because I know how I feel about the character. Yeah. And I can hear how the audience feels about the character. I'm like, there's no way he's a bad guy. He's just not. It, it, and that was the thing. They, I wanted to be a bad guy. They wanted me to be a bad guy. And, I don't know. I guess it was just with my less talk, more physical mentality of everything, of going out there and just wreaking havoc. And it was something that the people grabbed a hold of. I don't know if it's because everybody at some point in their life has frustrations where they just want to just destroy everything that's around them. Because let's be honest, it feels good when you can blow off some steam. (laughs) And in real life, you can't do what I can do. And I get to take a lot of my frustrations of traveling and stress and this and that out when I get to go out there in the ring. Because some of these stunts that I do are really me being that physical. Like, when I'm throwing human beings, I'm throwing human beings. So it, it, and it, when Kurt Hawkins goes through a wall. When I throw Kurt through. Hawkins through a wall, he's going through a wall. So, yeah, and it's just like – and I think about it, and, and yeah, I am this big, scary, larger-than-life human that you would think would be terrifying. But I think as a kid, like, to myself, like, what, what I would think of Braun when I was little Adam and – uh I think like, man, you know, I would be terrified, but at the same time, I would want to see every week what Braun is going to come out and do because week after week after week, he comes out and he does something that makes all of us go, 
wow. Yeah. And that's what I want to continue to do, and that's why I said the whole with rushing into the, the title picture and all this and that. Like, we got – I got time. You're like, almost I, doing your own thing, right? Like, yeah. You don't need titles over here, titles over there. It's like a bronze segment is a bronze segment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a, a – a, where did you learn to throw a grappling hook? Was that like multiple? <laughs> that was that's one shot. That was, I was watching. It was that's one shot. It no was edits. luck of the draw. <laughs> I, sometimes I uh, I just get lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's also uh, uh, the coolness factor, right? Like there's just something. Yeah, it's it, just like, that it's that holy S H I. You know the rest yeah. of it factor, um, and it's just yeah, and that's the thing with what we've done is is condition the audience to th- just to want more. What's next? What else can he do? And and I love it. And now they're they're I'm having longer matches. I'm more comfortable with all that. I can go out there and work 30, 40 minutes with anybody on the roster, and I and I have fun doing it. Who helped get you there to the point where you could do 30, 40? Was it doing the house show loop for as long as you did with Roman? Was it yeah? Was that what it was? The the long matches definitely uh, uh, Roman. That 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 was us. Because yeah, every night for three nights a week on the houses, we were going out there doing last man standings for a half an hour main event every night, and that's where I learned how to pace myself, how to put it together a match that tells a story that keeps the audience on the edge of their seat or on their toes for the whole time and and, and it really attests because that's the same roman's worth work ethic is just like mine we're both here to make the product better because when we work together as a unit behind the scenes it shows in the wwe universe season and they appreciate it and we're like houses are up we're selling out everything because the product is so good right now with everyone. We're so diverse from top to bottom in the roster, and, and it's just it's fun. It's an enjoyable process. I love seeing everybody having fun. We're selling out arenas, having unbelievable crowds, and it's just been amazing. Do you get competitive with a guy like that who has the same attitude of, like, well, I want to be the best. Only one guy is going to be the best, or do you end up having this amazing work together because regardless of which one of us is the best, we both want to have the that, best match. That's, that's exactly that's it. That's, that's Roman and I to a T. We both want to go out there and we want to we give it an oral. It doesn't matter if we're in Des Moines, Iowa, or wherever, Joe Blow, Kansas. We're going to go out there and give you 100%. We're going to give you our bodies. We're going to put our bodies on the line because you paid your hard-earned money to come and get away from reality, and we're taking you away from reality, and that's why we work so hard is because I know what it's like in the hustle and bustle and stress of everyday life, and I have my thing that I like to go and do, and I pay a lot of money, and I work hard for it, and I don't want to go out there and have a, a, a subpar product. And I that's why I want to work so hard is because they, they, they deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get back to the grappling hook. <laughs> Did you... Were there, were there were there practice throws before? So we no, could, that so was one take. Have you done it in your in your? Life? I threw a grappling hook like in Boy Scouts or something <laughs> when I was like ten. But other than that, like they're just like, well, Braun can do it. He's yeah. Braun. <laughs> if anyone can do it, Braun can. <laughs> do you? When you're doing stuff like that, like when when you're doing just like the I'm gonna throw guys around. How do you do it in a way that you know I gotta. I have to protect these guys, but at the same time, like the most important thing here is that this looks yeah really like a so monster. It, 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 there's a fine razor's edge that I have to walk, especially with TV of of the being too too much and, and not enough. And I everyone knows that everyone works the same way when the red lights on, the red lights on. Right. So it's a little different on the house shows and stuff like that. But like when the camera's on and it's time to be the monster. 
I'm the monster. Yeah, you gotta be the monster. You better know how to move your body yeah. because it's yeah. moving. Yeah, <laughs> your body's moving. Um, well, Braun, uh, I I appreciate you being here, uh, and I'll tell you the thing that I think is such a Braun Strowman appeal to a guy like uh, Vince McMahon or whoever or the WWE. Like, what makes you valuable is that you have the thing of when people who are not WWE fans leave the show. They're going to be like, oh, I like that big guy. Yeah. I like that guy that was yeah. throwing guys around. And, and, and that's, that's, that's the whole WWE mantra, I believe. I, my character and guys like me are what put us on the map originally is these larger-than-life human beings. And, yeah, I can't do some of the stuff that the smaller guys do, but that's why I said we're so diverse in athletes from top to bottom that we have something for everyone. It right. doesn't matter what style of wrestling you like, we have it. And that's why we're number one in the game. Right. Like, my dad's going to watch and go, like, oh, that big guy with the mohawk. I like him. Yeah. 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 Was the mohawk your idea? Or were, were they, like, what? The, 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 the hair was my idea. Because it was brilliant. It was this little change that was, like, he's not in the Wyatts anymore. Yep. He's his own guy. Well, Braun, have a great weekend, man. Yes, sir. And I appreciate you giving me some time. No problem. Thank you. Cool, man. And that's the monster among men, Braun Strowman. We're not done with our interview segment of the podcast yet, but before we continue... I saw a lot of you out there at WrestleMania weekend in New Orleans this weekend, and you were coming up to me, and you were telling me that you got to WrestleMania by using the promo code SAM on SeatGeek. I was so happy that so many of you have had success with this great, great app, and it's going to continue on. I was watching Raw, and I saw a commercial for Ronda Rousey being at the Madison Square Garden House show coming up in July. SummerSlam is right around the corner. Of course, all the pay-per-views are dual-branded. You got Backlash coming up. In June, you got Money in the Bank coming up. How are you going to get to see all these shows? How are you going to get your tickets? We'll do it the way I would. Use the SeatGeek app. Now, the SeatGeek app is great for not only wrestling, but also concerts, other sporting events, comedy shows, Broadway shows, whatever you need tickets to, SeatGeek has you hooked up, and they get all of the data, all the prices in from everywhere to make sure that you are getting the best possible deal. Here's how it works. The big seat map, com- seat map comes up in front of you. I don't care if you're trying to see Bruno Mars and Cardi B before Cardi B gets knocked off the tour because she's pregnant. If that's what you want tickets to, go onto the Seat Geek app, look up the concert, get to uh, where it's playing in your hometown. The, the, the seating chart is going to pop up. And you're going to see uh, all these little dots all over the place. You're going to get to see what the price is before you order. You're going to get to see exactly where it is in relation to the stage or the ring or the field or whatever it is that you're trying to see. And you're going to see how much that ticket costs uh, in terms of graded value, which means if you just want the best possible ticket, doesn't matter the price, SeatGeek has you hooked up. If you want to get the best deal possible, SeatGeek has got you hooked up. Up. It is an amazing service and they guarantee all of their tickets to be authentic. My buddy Hot Dog went to WrestleMania with me over the weekend. It was his first WrestleMania because he went to WrestleMania 29 and when he got there, he found out his tickets were forgeries. They didn't let him in the building. This will never happen to you with SeatGeek. And as if all of this wasn't enough, the best part of this deal is that because you listen to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, you're going to get $20 off your very first purchase. $20 off your very first purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app onto your phone. Then go in and enter promo code SAM. That's it. 
Enter promo code SAM and you'll get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Download that app, put promo code SAMSAM in, get your $20 off and enjoy whatever it is that you're going to see. Now let's get back to our interview segment still from Radio Row down in New Orleans. This, ladies and gentlemen, is Paul Heyman. Well, here we are. It's another WrestleMania Media, Media Row, and people have been disappointed because I think last year I did not get to speak to you because they feel like this should be an annual tradition. With me at this time, ladies and gentlemen, is the one and the only Paul Heyman. Paul, what's the haps? I need you to... Uh, Grab the microphone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, I know it's not I'm your so very. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. my name is Paul Heyman. I invented the phrase, what's the haps? It was stolen from me not, uh, by Sam, not Sam. <laughs> and he has made a career over this thievery that he now extends to help out this wannabe comic named Jim Norton. <laughs> You don't have, I mean, you're just, you're just throwing bombs just for no reason. Welcome to WrestleMania weekend. <laughs> I will say, and I've been thinking about this a lot, that everybody, in terms of the, the mainstream WWE recognition of what I do and what I have done, nobody was on the What's the Haps bandwagon and retweeting my stuff. You were the first one to yes, do it on yes. a legitimate level. It was like WrestleMania, like maybe... 25, 26, and I put out a YouTube video, and out of nowhere, I get a retweet from the Heyman Hustle, and I can't, it was a huge deal. You owe me. I know. Yeah. I I wish I didn't. I'm glad you know. I wish I didn't. But you do. It's a scary thing. And one day I shall collect. I have no doubt. You actually have something or are worth (laughs) a damn, but until then, I'll keep praying for you. You were putting in one of those long-term investments. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, it's like a penny stock. <laughs> it just please. Please. Yeah. Oh, it's down point oh 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 four today. Yeah. Oh, and it's worth three cents a share. <laughs> How many shares you got? Like fourteen gazillion of them. I mean I'd like to think that I'm more I'm I'm probably in like the nickel or dime range by now. I'm I'm glad That's you ten have times your investment. Uh, well, we, we wanted to go a little higher. <laughs> well, we're working on it. Norton's dragged it down a bit. <laughs> so, listen, Paul Heyman, the question on, on a lot of people's minds is Dana White comes out a couple days ago, and he says Brock Lesnar's coming back to UFC. And there are a lot of uh, WWE fans that are pissed, pissed that Brock's going back to UFC, but even more pissed at Dana White because you're like, why would you say this? Don't, 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 don't get in the way of WrestleMania. Wait till after. It's not in the way of WrestleMania. Do you worry that fans are going to see that and go like, oh, I mean, we remember what happened at WrestleMania 20 when we knew that Brock was leaving. If fans have this idea... Completely different circumstance. Tell me. Um, Brock Lesnar is very task-oriented, and he learned that growing up on a farm in Webster, South Dakota. Brock had to get up every morning. At 5 a.m., he had to milk the cows. Now, at 8 a.m., he had to collect the eggs from the chickens. But he never thought about the chickens and the eggs at 5 a.m. because he knew the task was to milk the cows. Mm-hmm. When he got at 8 a.m. to the chicken coop and to get the eggs from the chickens, he also knew that 11 o'clock in the morning, he had to get the hay from the barn to the truck. But he didn't think about the hay from the barn to the truck because that was at 11 a.m. The right. task was the 8 a.m. task, which was the eggs from the chickens. Once he completed that task, mastered it better than anybody, then he went to move the hay from the barn. Brock Lesnar is task-oriented. Brock Lesnar's contract 
expires this Sunday night. Brock Lesnar is not sticking around to be number two. Forget about invoking rematch clauses. Forget about all that other nonsense. He's either the champion or he's not here. And he will pursue the UFC heavyweight championship. Now, he can pursue the UFC heavyweight championship as the universal champion. Or he can pursue the UFC championship as a former universal champion. But he's not sticking around WWE for me to introduce him as the former reigning, defending, undisputed universal heavyweight champion, Brock Lesnar. Right. It's just not happening. He's not interested in chasing it again. No. So, this reign will define who Brock Lesnar is as a universal champion. If Brock Lesnar happens to lose the title to Roman Reigns this Sunday... Brock Lesnar is moving on to UFC. If Brock Lesnar defends the title successfully against Roman Reigns this Sunday, then there's a lot of leverage for Brock Lesnar to talk to Vince McMahon about this Monday about how to move forward with the universal champion, Brock Lesnar. But the task is this Sunday. Right. The task is to put on the greatest WrestleMania main event of all time at the greatest WrestleMania of all time. And that's what we have in mind. That's milking the cows and not thinking about the chickens and the eggs. That's getting the eggs from the chickens without thinking about the hay that needs to go from the barn to the truck. Right. Task-oriented. Uh, what about you? Do you go where Brock goes? Or do you suppose, I mean, because there's, there's multiple roles. I mean, Brock Lesnar did not introduce Paul Heyman to the world of pro wrestling, obviously. You know, there's, there's plenty that you could still do here, whether Brock's here or not. But you have been by Brock's side for a lot of what he does. This, this has been the defining run of my career. Uh, the, the legacy and the body of work that Brock have put, and I have put together since 2002 speaks for itself and would be very tough to compete with. Um, it, if Brock Lesnar stays, I stay with him. Mm -hmm. If Brock Lesnar leaves after this Sunday, I'm going to leave too. Hmm. It doesn't mean I can't come back. I'm not saying I'm leaving forever. I'm not saying I'm retired. I'm never coming back. The hell with WWE. I'm not saying anything like that. But just to come back this Monday and, and jump into a situation with somebody else would be disrespectful to the, to, to the effort that Brock Lesnar and I have put into our performance, into our um, tandem, into our shtick. Not that Brock Lesnar does shtick. I don't think he would appreciate that word. Oh, you, you know what? He doesn't speak Yiddish. So <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't know. really he doesn't know. know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Is that one of those Jew words, Paul? <laughs> yes, Brock. <laughs> um, so... Yeah. I noticed that, that Brock, after I interviewed him in the language that he used with me, he didn't do too many interviews after that. He didn't like you. Yeah, I guess not. Which really means he is an accurate assess assessor of, of people's personalities. I don't think I've talked to you since then. What went on in your head? Because your facial expression was priceless. This was, when, oh. when you said you have two questions, uh, oh, and yeah, I looked I, at you, and I looked at Brock, and I said, Brock, question number one is, what's the haps? <laughs> well, I actually started reaching into my pocket to find out how much bail money I had on me. <laughs> you thought there's going to be a physical assault. 
You were going. By the way, if Brock Lesnar assaults me, you're not going to need bail money. You're going to need funeral money for me because I'm not laughing. I'm not one burying day. you. <laughs> I'll leave you out to rot. I wouldn't care. <laughs> no. No. Sam, not Sam. Yeah. Dead on arrival. You okay. Let me rot right there. That 2K party. Yes. <laughs> let them clean you up. So you're in video games. You know what they'll do? They'll throw you in the next Grand Theft Auto game, and they'll just make you. Uh, he, got, he was victimized before the game came on. You didn't have any respect for like, oh look at this. That does show balls, doesn't it? No. No. It just shows stupidity. Stupidity. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the other way to go. Hey, Brock, what's the haps? <laughs> like this idiot. Um, what do you think of this, of this conversation that people are having? Because it seems like part of what you've done in this run with Brock has, I mean, you've, you've brought back the role of wrestling manager and this uh, idea of mouthpiece, like the idea of mouthpiece for a, a superstar had kind of gone away a little bit uh, in, in, in a big way. And you brought that back to the point where now people bring you up for basically anybody that they want, might want to have a manager for. Like, your name has been brought up with Ronda Rousey a right. ton. Like, right. make Paul Heyman. I know a lot of people want Dan Soder. You know Dan Soder? Comedian? Yes. Right. He, his, what he wants for WrestleMania is for Roman Reigns to become a Paul Heyman guy. Everybody is like, okay, anytime there's anything going on that, like, I think there's potential there, but I don't really know, I don't really like it right now, make him a Paul Heyman person. Do you have any, if they came to you and said, we want to, we want to do something with you and Rhonda, would you be interested in that, or is that too similar, does that, that seem like a rehash of the Brock? Oh, thing? no, it would be completely different in an approach with Ronda Rousey than it would be with Brock Lesnar. Mm -hmm. The same way my work with CM Punk was completely different than it was with, with Brock Lesnar. With Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman talked the talk, Brock Lesnar walked the walk. Right. With CM Punk, he was Morris Day, and I was Jerome. <laughs> Oh, seriously? Yeah. I mean, that's who it was. I mean, you know, he came out, <laughs> oh, did his yeah. thing, and I was behind him just going, yeah! <laughs> yeah! Uh-huh! Right. Yeah! <laughs> so you were less manager and more hype man. You were yeah, Flavor Flav. I, I, I don't Chuck consider Pete. myself a manager. Manager was Lou Albano, was Fred Plassey, was the yeah. Grand Wizard, was J.J. Dillon, Jimmy Hart, uh, Bobby Heenan, they, they, those were great managers of their day. I don't distract the referees. I don't cause the finish of the match to happen. I don't get physically involved. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm you an do, advocate. You do emote. I, 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 cer I certainly do, and I do it quite well. I, I, would, I, would, I would agree with that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate. Right. And that's what I do. I, I've, I've evolved the role. Uh, and I've been trying to evolve this role since the last person I managed was Mean Mark Callis in WCW, who went on to become The Undertaker. Right. When we did The Dangerous Alliance in 1991, I called myself the CEO of The Dangerous Alliance. I didn't call myself a manager. You get, okay. WWE in 2002, I was Brock Lesnar's agent. Right. Wasn't his manager. And then we, we, we've moved on. We've even upgraded it even further to now become the advocate. When you were doing this in the early 90s, because in the early 90s, we were still deep in manager territory. Did you kind of see that this manager thing has been going on for a while? We've got to do something a little different? You know, if, if, you look, if you take any kind of progressive look and innovative look at where the business is headed, 
you could see that that role w- was playing itself out. And if there were to be a spokesperson, a strategist, a corner man, you'd have to evolve the role into something different. We don't call them professional wrestlers anymore. We call them sports entertainers. Right. So if, if Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar are in the ring, or John Cena or The Undertaker are in the ring, or Triple H or Kurt Angle are in the ring, you don't say, look at these two professional wrestlers here at WrestleMania, you say this is one of the greatest sports entertainers of all time here at WrestleMania. Same thing. We've upgraded the role. The manager term just doesn't apply. Now, maybe, because what's old becomes new again, there'll be someone that comes along who puts together an act with shtick Mm -hmm. that the manager role works. But it's dependent. It's not so... Much like, okay, we got this guy who's a manager. We're just going to put all the heels with him, and he'll talk for him. It's that act that yes. needs to come together. It's the combination. Right. It's the chemistry between them or amongst them. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not a manager. Yeah. I'm an advocate. Right. I mean, and I'm the best one there ever has been. <laughs> and I challenge someone to say I'm not the best one there ever will be to. Well, what's great is that you've branded it so hard. That nobody else can come out and call yeah, themselves an advocate. Yeah, it's mine. Everyone. I mean, it'd be ridiculous. We want Ham. We want Heyman to advocate for this person too. Right. So, what do you? Let's say Brock is unsuccessful at WrestleMania. What What would you do with yourself if you if you leave WWE? Well, I mean, I have an agency to run, the Looking sure. for Larry Agency. We have many projects. We're working on one that just got broken by the rap the Herb other that. week. Congratulations. Thank you very much, sir. M- very much appreciated. Um, I-, I don't know why I-, I-, I am the driving force behind the first project that we're pitching. As I told the rap, I think it's just because Roy Bank, who- who- who's the person with whom we're doing joint ventures, Bank of Studios, and the Looking for Larry Agency, which is now uh, going to expand to being a studio, I think Roy Bank just wanted to, to-, to get us into networks so we learn how to handle rejection. Gotcha. Uh, I don't know. I don't know gotcha. why any network would want would want Paul Heyman to be the one behind the vehicle. You were supposed to accept the second idea, not the first one. I'm fat. I'm bald. I'm 52 years old. What demographic do I possibly appeal to? Besides the sports entertainment demographic, who's there goes? Well, he does have one hell of a body of work. And who's that gorilla next to him? So, um, so I mean, you know, and, and I'm a full time. I'm, I'm a single father. So I mean, right. I'm, 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 I'm a full time parent here too. And um, you have enough I, to fill your day. I, I, and you know, yeah, I, there's plenty for me to do in this world besides appear on Monday nights and tell everybody just how great Brock Lesnar is. Though I have no problem appearing on Monday nights telling the world how great Brock Lesnar is. It's done fine by my family for years. I'll bet. I'll bet. So is that part of it that, like, uh, in terms of what you're doing with Looking for Larry and the TV show that's coming out and everything, do you have this thing that as much credit as you get for everything you've done in wrestling, whether it's being the advocate for Brock Lesnar or the stuff you did on commentary or obviously ECW or the Dangerous Alliance stuff. Is there a thing that you're like, I need people to know that my brain doesn't just work with the no, square I, I don't. I don't spend my life seeking affirmation, mm-hmm. Sam. That, 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 that's uh, it's like Jim Norton wanting to hug it out with Jesse Ventura. Right, right. He's not interested in it. It's just, no. it's just not something I wake up in the morning saying, Gee, I really want everyone to like me. You're not, you're not worried about that. I, I'm really. <laughs> Have you ever been, when you're a young guy and you're breaking into wrestling and you're sneaking into things and you're the photographer and everything, is there, do you want to be liked then because no. you're trying to get in the club? You've never been worried about I it. Never. My cardio this morning mm-hmm. was running out of fucks to give. 
It's just a great way to be. And look at all you've accomplished. It, it's truly how you accomplish peace of mind. My inner chi is is my true well-being because obviously my dietary <laughs> routine isn't. Um, but I, I, I have peace of mind. Right. I have self-awareness and self-acceptance because some people like me, most people don't. And I'm fine with that because I consider the source and I look at their pathetic lives <laughs> and I realize at 52 years old, here I am in the main event of WrestleMania again right. with the biggest box office attraction in WWE and the biggest box office attraction in UFC standing next to me and I get the best seat in the house. Who are they to judge me? So when you talk about, because you said this was like the run of your career, when you when you talk about your career... Is this last few years what you put on top of the resume above what you did with the Dangerous Alliance, above ECW, above... There are some people in life mm -hmm. that have achieved such a level of success, <laughs> yeah. they don't need a resume anymore. <laughs> really? I don't have to send it out to What's anybody. That like? If you don't know who I am walking in the room, uh -huh. I shouldn't be in the room with you. But I, but I say that to mean the thing that like you put in your heart as like this is my legacy. This is the top this is the top thing. Or is it just the top thing is whatever I'm doing right now. The best day of my life is tomorrow, right. which I hope will be better than today. And the and 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 to tomorrow, tomorrow be the better. best day. Well, yeah, but I'm, it's something for you to learn from. <laughs> and I'm hoping that two days, well, especially two days from now, WrestleMania <laughs> yeah. is, is is significantly better than tomorrow. And I hope three days from now is even better than two days from now. So I I, I don't I don't I, I don't dwell. You know, I don't sit here and go, okay, what's the greatest accomplishment? My greatest accomplishment are my children. Right. Besides that, everything else has just been a roller coaster with the blindfolds on. <laughs> and I put both feet on the gas pedal and I hold on to the steering wheel for dear life. And I just, and I just enjoy the journey through life. Did having kids put everything into perspective? For them, it sure did. <laughs> well, yeah, they were able to see everything much clearer. Well, of but course. Like, but like when, when, when you have kids and you're like, okay, like because before your world is this, is the wrestling business and, and blah, blah, blah. But when you have kids, does it, does it, does it help you? figure out what's a big deal and what's Ab really not absolute, a big deal. Absolutely. Yeah. And Brock Lesnar is a big deal. <laughs> and being in the main event of WrestleMania is a big yes. deal. And beating Roman Reigns this Sunday and shocking the world again is a big deal. Yes. And my kids know that. Do you think about the reaction that, uh, that you're going to get from the fans at WrestleMania or you just don't care? Like, do you care if they cheer Brock instead of Roman? No. You don't care about no, that No, they stuff. paid to see them. Right. Roman Reigns is in his fourth consecutive WrestleMania main event. People pay to see Roman Reigns. He's a box office phenomenon. Happy to be sharing the main event with him. Yeah. Do you are you annoyed that Jim Norton is not here with me to talk to you? No, I no. couldn't give a crap if Norton were here or not here. And I hope you're watching this, Jim Norton. Not that you're not that I would think that you would watch this because you're so desperate to find your next routine what? that you're probably you perfecting somewhere in Long Island, begging Jackie the joke man Martling <laughs> to let you to supplement that's, one of his shows so that you could do another showtime special. It's just so rude. It's so rude. He's on Netflix, you know. He's on Netflix. He's now? on Netflix. Really? Oh yeah. Jim Norton lowered deal. their standards. That's not what that they did. Much. That's not what they did. They didn't? They didn't lower their standards. Well, they, they've, their standards have always been that low. <laughs> what about I, the... Then, then allow me to yeah. apologize. Thank you. To Jim Norton. Thank you. 
I did not know, sir, you would achieve that level of success. Right. And may your time on Netflix be your version of NXT so that you can step up to Amazon Prime, <laughs> which is the big time, which, by the way, I understand they're looking to do a Jesse Ventura show. <laughs> so I understand why you'd be intimidated in going on Amazon Prime. But don't worry. Let that fear be your motivating factor, Jim. You're going to make it one day. And when you do... Break away from Sam. Why would you just? You just love inserting chaos into situations. Sound advice. You're, you're just. You're not a guy who brings people together. Oh, because people shouldn't be together. <laughs> they should be split apart. You think so? Oh, divide and conquer. Absolutely. <laughs> so is this what you do when you're running ECW? Do you get the team together, rah rah the team, rah rah the team, and then go and divide and conquer? No, it was us against them. Right. Oh, I see. So that's where the conflict lies. I'm us. Right. You're them. I understand. I understand. But now you're trying to take a team like Jim Norton and Sam Roberts and create us against them. Where's Katie this year? Katie is in... She's out of town. She's been traveling like uh, every other day. I think she's been in New York for 48 hours in the last month. Is Katie here this year? She's not here, no. Was Katie here a, f a previous year? She was here. So now you guys are not coming together, so to speak? Right. I don't mean that in a sexual connotation. I didn't take it that way. Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know what that means. Like, like you ever had a chance. <laughs> so you but and Katie not, are not here together. No. Right. You were. We were. You're not anymore. But that's not, that's not conflict. See, teams break up. <laughs> that's not. Sure it is. I mean, there's no conflict. Have you heard what she said about you? What? Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, but come, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no. Surely you know this to be the truth. She's expanded her role. She's on the Today Show, well, especially now that Matt Lauer is gone. Right. Not that I'm accusing Matt Lauer of ever harassing Katie. I didn't even know why you took it there. Why? You didn't, nobody was talking about Matt Lauer but harassing. maybe, just maybe, <laughs> if Sam harassed Katie... That's why she's not here. Not that I'm accusing you. No. I know you have a lovely wife. No, yeah. Who should divorce him immediately. We have a, we have a child. I'm sorry. We have a child. We have a great family. Boy, with a, a dog and a child. We have a boy. <laughs> we have a dog. The dog can stop it. The dog just got top billing over the child. That's a child Did you know that? That's a child no, first. then you went, we have a dog and a child. That's what he said. <laughs> Heard it. Okay, you what? keep the child, but I get the dog. We have a great family unit with a 13 month old boy and a girl dog and. A house in Westchester. You know Westchester. Oh, I do know Westchester. <laughs> We're petitioning for you to leave. <laughs> well, listen, Paul Heyman, it's going to be a big weekend for you. Indeed it is. And for all of us, because now what you're telling us about this match, we could be seeing the last of, of Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman for a while. You will either see Brock Lesnar shock the world and win the title. Not like the Shockmaster. That's what Sting said when the Shockmaster debuted. He's going to shock the world. Was that your attempt of humor? No, that's what he said. Because if it was, yeah. it sucked so bad. What? It was the second worst attempt at comedy I've ever heard in my life. Hot dog. You know what he's going to say the first was, right? What was the first? Jim <laughs> Norton. I, I, uh, I saw that one coming. Well, Paul Heyman, who's in a, who's a, who, 
What network is <laughs> so, your? So, so said the girl in the Bukaki video. <laughs> you really did run Speaking out of Speaking of which, <laughs> I saw your interview with Lisa Ann. You did? I did see it. Yeah, isn't she great? She was wonderful in it. Well, I thought the interview, the whole, I mean, the dynamic back and forth was great. Her part was great. I thought it was, you know, did a lot of Her views on Her answers YouTube. were, well, it's Lisa Ann. It is Lisa Ann. And she spoke very highly of me. She did. And I was, yes, she and did. I was very flattered. Is that why you watched the interview? Of course. <laughs> I'm going to watch Lisa Ann knock me? Right, right. No, of course not. Right. I don't dwell on the negative stuff, but if Lisa Ann's complimenting me, oh, I'm watching. What man doesn't want to be complimented by Lisa Ann? I'm with you. I think she's awesome. I think she's awesome, too. Uh, what an awesome human being. Yeah. What, what, uh, what, do you know what network your TV show is going to nah, be on, or is it a syndicated we're, thing? We're, you're far we're pitching that. it yeah. and, and anticipating being rejected. I see. I see. Which most men are by Lisa Ann. That's right. That's right. Rejection's a good thing for the soul. Well, it, it helps teach you, doesn't it? It makes you stronger. So I've been told. You wouldn't know. I haven't experienced it yet, <laughs> but I shall when we pitch my show to the networks. <laughs> well, if you need a correspondent, you know, what's the haps? What are the haps, Sam? Exactly. Exactly. What is the haps? What are the haps? Huh. It's grammatically incorrect. No, it is. I mean, the whole the whole the thing whole is thing stupid. is it's messed up now. <laughs> it's isn't ridiculous. It? Are you now second guessing it? No, no, I'll never second guess what's the haps. You know why? Why? Because you gave me but, affirmation but so great? early. Wouldn't it be great, like to upgrade it? Like I upgraded from manager to advocate mm -hmm. instead of going, "Hey, what's the haps?" <laughs> what you go? What are the haps? Water. Water. What are the haps? Yeah, water. W-H-U-T-T-E-R. Water. I mean, I have to tell you. What are the haps? You've watched guys not be able to figure out what I'm saying when I say, what's the haps? Yeah. So if I start saying, what are the haps? Yeah. Oh, oh it'll it. mess them up. It'll it. be great. How would Brock respond to what are the haps? He'd punch you in the face. He would. Yeah. He would. That would be the final Absolutely. Stroke. And I would love it. <laughs> you would. Could well, I go take you over to him right now? Okay. No, we're good. I'll, I'll stay here. Yeah, let's do it. I'll stay here. You probably wouldn't, wouldn't paint me in a positive light. <laughs> why would I? No, no. Why I would never you? do. No, you don't. And I never will. I don't think you but will. It's, but, but it's personal. It is. Yes. Okay. It's just an accurate know. assessment that's, of, that's... Of, of your potential, both professionally and as a human being that's that's good to know i thought maybe you'd say like hey i saw you when you were young and you you've come all this way and you're not going to be on the wrestlemania kickoff show but instead so's rosenberg so i mean <laughs> so, so how prestigious can yeah. it truly be no you're right you're right paul Heyman, Sa sam not sam you're a gentleman and a scholar and i, appreciate, I truly am sir yeah i appreciate you being here yes sir and uh spending some time with us on your busy wrestlemania weekend yeah, well, you know, i was forced to yeah i saw that i was coerced Pushed you over here. <laughs> Blackmailed. I noticed you went around the ring uh, uh, this way so that I was last. Was that to save the best for last, or was that hopefully Sam will be gone by the time I'm done? <laughs> Hoping you'd be busy with somebody else. <laughs> well, I'll never be too busy for you. Oh, you're so sweet. I know. And you have a dog and a child. <laughs> Thank you, Paul Heyman. Thank you, Sam Nutsen. Here is Sam Roberts. Interesting stuff. Coming out of both Paul Heyman and Braun Strowman on this bad boy. Now, look, of course, this all went down a couple of days before WrestleMania. First of all, with Braun Strowman, I think that for everything that he says sounds intimidating. You know how many times me and my buddy Hot Dog just sat there listening to him saying, I'm just getting my beak wet. I'm just getting my beak wet. Putting that into different situations. Like, in what scenario... Would Braun Strowman looking at you and going, ho, 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 I'm just getting my beak wet. In what circumstance would that be a positive thing? At, at, at no moment in anyone's life would they be happy 
that that's what Braun Strowman said to them. I'm just getting my beak wet. Okay, all right. I was thinking you were done, but I, I suppose you're not. Go right ahead, right along with what you were doing. Braun has the right idea. Braun clearly realizes the spot that he's got within the WWE. Braun clearly realizes the affection that Vince McMahon and the people in charge of WWE have for that character. And Braun clearly understands that to rush into a championship picture right now is completely unnecessary, especially as I don't think anybody expected all of this to truly happen this way. And I certainly don't think anybody, except for me, if you go back in the podcast and listen, I was talking about it the whole time. I don't think anybody expected this to be quite such a baby face run, except for me. As I said, I knew it was going to be. I said, Braun Strowman's a baby face. You were all like, no, he's obviously a big bad guy. I said, no, he isn't. And guess what? He totally isn't. Just ask Nicholas. We'll get into everything that happened at WrestleMania, by the way, in the state of wrestling. But we also had Paul Heyman, who, who knows? When we talked to Paul Heyman at Radio Row, who knows how much he knew and how much he didn't know? I remember, and this is a, this is a, a, a tale I'll tell out of school. I remember at WrestleMania 30, I interviewed Paul Heyman. And he sa- I said, clearly Brock Lesnar is not going to beat The Undertaker. This was two days before WrestleMania 30. And he said, oh yeah? I said, oh yeah. And he said, will you bet your hair? And I said, well, I can't bet my hair. And he said, exactly. Brock Lesnar beat The Undertaker. I saw Paul Heyman later that evening. And I went up to him after Brock Lesnar had beaten The Undertaker. And I said, Paul, uh, I didn't, uh, I'm, I'm really glad I didn't bet my hair on that Brock Lesnar-Undertaker thing. And Paul said, I didn't know Brock Lesnar was winning at that moment. So who knows? Who knows on Friday when we did that interview if Paul Heyman knew whether or not Brock Lesnar was going to resign, if Paul Heyman knew whether or not Brock Lesnar was going to win the championship. But uh, I, I, I like his take on, on the fact that he told us the truth, that he is leaving the WWE when Brock Lesnar leaves. And honestly, I think that that's the right thing. As much as, as valuable as Paul Heyman is, and as much as I could watch him do everything on that show, absence will make the heart grow fonder. And it does a little bit take away from the special act that is Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar when you start coupling him with other people. I don't want, I, I, maybe I'm the only one. Dan Soder talked about it last week. I don't want to see Roman Reigns as a Paul Heyman guy. Because Roman Reigns isn't Brock Lesnar. Roman Reigns is Roman Reigns. I don't want to see Ronda Rousey as a Paul Heyman girl because I don't want to see Paul Heyman as a babyface. And there's no way that Ronda Rousey, the action of Ronda Rousey with the voice of Paul Heyman, when you combine those things, it's a good guy. There's no bad guy there. And that's not really what I want to see from Paul Heyman. So I I think he should leave if and when Brock Lesnar leaves. And I hope he comes back and make it something special. But honestly, when Paul Heyman was with Cesaro and when Paul Heyman was with uh, Curtis Axel, it wasn't that special. It really wasn't. And it almost diluted what Paul Heyman has created. When Paul Heyman was with CM Punk, it was special. When Paul Heyman is with Brock Lesnar, it's special. And I think the last thing you want to do is dilute how special Paul Heyman is at this stage in his career. Uh, And I thought it was interesting uh, for him to get there. So this weekend, that's where kind of where we started on Thursday, got to WrestleMania early uh, or got to New Orleans, got to, you know, WrestleMania in the grander scale. Um, 
you know, had some dinner, did the thing in the hotel. Didn't stay out too late because I was up five o'clock in the morning to go do Radio Row and to conduct some of these interviews like you just heard. Friday afternoon, went over to the hall, got, got all uh, gussied up, put the suit on, tied the tie. Always, I my ritual is always to show up at the show already dressed. Every WWE show that I go to, the suit that you see me wearing on TV is the suit that I showed up in no matter what time I get there. So it's just my ritual. It's what I like to do. So I got my suit on that afternoon. I tried, I was trying to upload stuff to YouTube and give you guys some content, but the Wi-Fi was not good in the hotel. I was able to get a, a snippet of that Paul Heyman interview up on YouTube, but literally that five-minute YouTube video that's on youtube.com slash notsam, that's not even a video. It's just a still image with the sound under it. It took, I mean, an hour and a half, maybe two hours to upload. So it was just, it was an impossibility to get anything significant going. So uh, I, I put the laptop down. I did, I was, what I was trying to do was upload the video of me breaking down the WrestleMania card and the match order and everything, but it was just, that's a 40-minute video and it wasn't happening with the hotel Wi-Fi. So that didn't happen, but, and you know, I had to get it up a couple of days before WrestleMania or it's old and kind of silly. So anyway, on Friday afternoon, I went over to the Hall of Fame and hung out with uh, uh, Pat McAfee, met him for a while, showed him around the building a little bit. This is what we do. This is where catering is, blah, 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 blah. And that was great. I mean, Pat McAfee is an awesome dude. And for me to be in a position where I'm showing somebody around over there is kind of mind-blowing to me because I still personally can't believe that I'm there. So the idea that I've got any, I've got a year of experience under my belt and can actually help somebody that's new, unbelievable and, and unbelievably rewarding, just outstanding. Also, speaking of unbelievable, I get to New Orleans and I open up the program, and there's my picture in the WrestleMania program with the WWE roster. Not something that I knew was going to happen, and just something that left me like, I mean, it shattered my world in the best way possible. I could not, I simply could not believe it. Like, there is no, there is, doing what I'm doing with WWE right now, there is no more literal interpretation of a dream come true. It couldn't be. I mean, the phrase dream come true it applies to what I'm doing with WWE now better than it's ever applied to anything. It really is an outstanding, amazing thing. And, and you know, hopefully it pushes people along who also have these goals and dreams and far out notions of things that they want to do. Because uh, I can't believe it personally. I hope it helps somebody. Uh, but so I go to the Hall of Fame, you know. Take a Lonely Sam photo. Whoever got that Lonely Sam photo that was all over the internet, kudos to you. I was, see, they had me walk the red carpet at the Hall of Fame. And it was very uncomfortable because I don't like uh, walking the red carpet. I don't, you know, I, I don't like the uh, famous part of the whole thing. I like meeting fans, you know, outside of it, like at shows. And if you see me in the airport or whatever, like, hey, you come up, hey, love the podcast, whatever. Like, I like, I love meeting you guys and saying hi. I just don't like, I don't like drawing attention to myself in that way. I like doing the job. You know, I like hosting the shows. I like doing stuff like that. I just don't, when you're walking the red carpet and you're like, hey, everybody, Sam Roberts is here. Get your cameras out. Who's got the questions? I don't like that. 
You know, I like to be in control of of the spaces that I'm in. But and and plus, you know, it's the Hall of Fame. You've got all this current roster talent. You've got all these legends. Who the hell wants to talk to Sam Roberts with all this other stuff going on? So I kind of rushed off the red carpet. You know, did did a couple interviews, but you know, I wasn't. Uh, I certainly wasn't pushy with anybody in terms of, hey, you want to talk to me? So I ended up sitting down early at the Hall of Fame, and my entire section was empty. So I, they got an, just an epic. Whoever got it got an epic Lonely Sam photo, which I posted on my Instagram because I thought it was so funny. Um, so that was uh, that was thir- Friday, Saturday. Takeover was amazing. The show was amazing. The the I had so much fun on the pre-show. I thought that Pat McAfee was great and. Uh, his contributions were new, were fresh, were so specifically him and entertaining. Like I was entertained doing it, and it felt like having Charlie on one side to kind of I could like I, I could be so confident in the fact that the thing was going to be hosted without a hitch because Charlie is such a good broadcaster, and then to have like just personality on top of personality on personality on the other side of me with Pat McAfee really made me feel like I was comfortable in my spot. You know, I was just, it was just protected around all edges and just thought it was a great show and a lot of fun to do with Charlie and Pat. And, and I think that I I personally haven't talked to anybody personally. I think that, uh, Pat McAfee is, is far from done with stuff specifically in NXT. I think you'll see a bunch more of him and I hope that, uh, I hope that I'm there with him. So that was a takeover, and the show was amazing. We'll get into the show. I'm just talking about my experiences just a little bit here. But we'll get into the show for sure in State of Wrestling. Uh, And then WrestleMania on Sunday is just an unbelievable. We got to the stadium around, it was before 9 o'clock. It was probably like quarter to 9 in the morning. And had a little bit of breakfast. You know, you get to check out the stadium before anybody's in it watch some of the entrance rehearsals, just see the stage, take a photo on the ramp. Do I, it's For a, a, a fan, it's Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. There's no other way to describe it. I mean, it's, 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 it's everything you think it might be. You know, it's, it, and to be a part of that family now, not to be the new kid anymore, is, is just mind-blowing. So I had a great time at WrestleMania. Uh, uh, actually, it's the first weekend that I got to spend a little bit of time with Coach since he's been back, which was a lot of fun because uh, he took over. Yeah, because the last thing I did was Fastlane, which is a SmackDown show. So since he's been on board, I haven't really been on the Raw side of things. So it was great to see him. Um, and yeah, and yeah, just just an absolute blast. Of course, uh, then the the pre-show itself starts, and first hit was me standing outside the building talking about how the network was free and everything. And that was just, I mean, that was just being silly and fun and and promoting the deal. If you didn't think that I was a shill before the WrestleMania kickoff show, watch the first, the beginning of the first hour of the WrestleMania kickoff show because you will see a shill in action. Then, of course, the second hour begins live on the USA Network. And to say that my flub was colossal to say that i had a a tremendous error would be a drastic understatement i mean it was dramatically bad i was so pissed i can laugh at it now i tell you i was so pissed when it happened this is why social media bashing doesn't bother me because when i know 
that I haven't done well, when I know I've made a mistake, if you could fathom the beating that I give myself in my own head after something like that happens, oh my God. I mean, terrorists would would give up. The torture of, of it all is just incredible. I might as well be waterboarding myself. That's how much I just bash my brains in inside my head. I want to smash things. I want to turn things upside down. I want to go into a hole. Everything combined. So obviously I start the segment, you know, the little, it's 45 seconds. It's nothing. You go on and everything seemed fine. I had to watch it back. I was never going to watch it back, but I had to watch it back because I showed it to Jim Norton and the guys over at the uh, Jim and Sam show that I host on Sirius XM. I had to let them see it. So I wasn't going to watch it back. I'm kind of glad that I did because the first half of it where I'm talking about the matches and this is a WrestleMania built for the WWE universe and all this stuff, all was good. And I could see like, okay, this is going well, which makes it even more crazy to watch that everything is going well. Everything seems smooth. Everything seems right. Yep, there's Sam Roberts. There's the same old Sam Roberts. There's a reason. You watch the Raw 25 documentary on the WWE 24 on Raw 25 on the WWE Network. When they're establishing that the show is beginning at the Barclays Center on the documentary, they use my clip from the Raw 25 kickoff show where I'm outside going, hey, the fans are going nuts. We're at the Barclays Center, blah, 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 because it works. Everything's good. Everything's grand. We're all good. We're live on the USA Network running down the matches. Everything's great. And all of a sudden, I pause and just say the word action. (laughs) Action Uh, is on the way. And then just, I mean, peter out to the finish line. And then for some reason, and I didn't even realize this had happened until I watched it back. The camera just stays on me for an extra few seconds as I'm just staring at it awkwardly, looking right into your soul, thinking you and I both know that this was not my finest moment, and we just shared it together at WrestleMania. I just earned a WrestleMania moment, an embarrassing one. So clearly, I mean, uh, I was not uh, prepared for the segment. I think I can, I can, I can say that with with pure confidence, and you'll believe me when I say it. Some people think that I, for, I, I just ran out of things to say or forgot what I was going to say. It, that's not the case. I mean. The thing about doing live TV is that stuff changes all the time and stuff changes on the fly. And I simply have to be better about uh, being able to, to, to run with things, being able to realize that this thing that I thought was going to go one way is now going to go a completely different way without you guys at home ever realizing it. Because in that moment that where it gets silent and then I say the word action, everything that was supposed to happen changes. But me being the guy with the microphone, like I'm not there because I have a pretty face, believe it or not. I'm there because I'm trusted to convey the message in an entertaining and comfortable fashion, which neither one of those things I did. So it was terrible. And uh, for it to happen, I guess, you know, if I'm going to have something like that happen, at least let it happen at WrestleMania. I will tell you, it's not going to happen again. I've learned and I, I have decided that I may not be perfect, but I am certainly not my mistakes. But I certainly made a mistake, didn't I, on Sunday night? So I'm glad, though, that a lot of you enjoyed it at my expense. Um, 
but still, I didn't let it ruin uh, WrestleMania for me. I I, uh, I went back, pissed, vented, you know, I, I in my own head. I, I'm not exactly a hard on my sleeve type of person, but you know, I got it out of my system. Told a bunch of people that I completely screwed up. Apologized to the people who were running the show, and then uh, you know went about the evening and. Enjoyed WrestleMania from various locations throughout the night so I could see uh, all kinds of different views of everything that was going on. And uh, that's what I want to talk about in the state of wrestling. I want to talk about WrestleMania, TakeOver, Raw, SmackDown. We're going to do it all, and we're going to do it all right now, this week in the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Yes, here we are. It's time for the State of Wrestling. And as usual, we are doing this uh, with the Facebook chat open. We do it live on Facebook on Wednesdays when I record this, facebook.com slash notsam. You can participate in it. You can see it live. You can watch the videos of all the old State of Wrestlings. They all just stay up there on my Facebook page. So go ahead and like the page whenever you get a chance. This week was a big week. So here's here's what I'm thinking. Um, I'm going to react to basically everything that happened over the last four days, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I think all require, require pretty significant reactions. In terms of breaking down what happens next, I may do a bonus show. We'll talk about that later in the State of Wrestling to uh, find out if you guys want it. But let's start, and I don't know if this is technically going to be a top five. I think this is more just going to be reactions to the weekend. The same way last week... It was a special case scenario, and we went over the match listing for WrestleMania and what I would do. This week, I think we're just going to react to everything that's happened over Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Of course, Hall of Fame on Friday, terrific, long. I think that the only thing... Yeah, let's do that. Top five stories this week are Hall of Fame, NXT TakeOver New Orleans, Raw, and SmackDown. Hall of Fame, NXT TakeOver New Orleans, WrestleMania, Raw, and SmackDown. Those are going to be our top five stories this week. So let's start with uh, number five. That's going to be the quickest one. The Hall of Fame I get that you've got to give everybody their just due. I get that uh, this is the last time a lot of these guys are going to have the opportunity to have a moment in front of an audience. But we got to go back to limiting speeches. I mean, you have to. When you've got Hillbilly Jim up there for an hour, what are we doing? We have to go back to limiting speeches. And even though the WWE owns the network and and can do whatever they want, even three hours, even a three-hour show would be long but acceptable, but four and a half hours, and here's why I think so. I felt it was very unfair to Goldberg that so many people, when you get by the time you get to Mark Henry, by the time you get to Goldberg, I, I waited through the whole Hall of Fame ceremony. I was there. I watched the entire thing. I didn't leave until the end. Coach was right in front of me. I can vouch for both of us. We were there until the end. But anybody that was in that building will tell you the floor section really starts to empty out as the night goes on and on and on. It gets really, really late. Four and a half hours plus for a Hall of Fame ceremony. I, you know, I think it's overkill. I think if you can get it down to three hours. You're still talking about a long show, but at least it's manageable. At least it's something that it doesn't feel like it's just going to go on forever. Two hours is probably enough, but three hours gives you enough time. I think you can do less inductions every year, and I think you can put limits on the speeches and say, uh, you know, like, here's what I would do. I was talking to somebody about this this weekend. My idea is that you have the Hall of Famer show up. They do their speeches, they do their thing, and they're told, look, you can say whatever you want. 
in your speech in 12 minutes. You've got 12 minutes. Maybe the headliner gets 15. But for the most part, you have 12 minutes. If you want to do a bit, like if you're Jeff Jarrett, I would give you 12 minutes and with my baby tonight. You want to do with my baby tonight at the end? That You don't have to soak up your 12 minutes. You can have your 12 minutes and then also do with my baby tonight. But in terms of the speech speed, like the Dudley boys, you can have your 12 minutes and then do the table spot after. Because the speech can be good and the table spot's very entertaining. With my baby tonight, very entertaining. But 12 minutes. 12 minutes is fair for everybody. And the minute it goes over 12 minutes... Mr. T comes on the big screen and starts continuing on with the Mr. T speech from WrestleMania. I believe that was WrestleMania 30 from last time we were in New Orleans. The Mr. T comes on the big screen. He continues to thank his mother for various holidays or whatever he's doing. And that's that instead of you getting played off by an orchestra like at the Academy Awards, you get played off by the continuation of Mr. T's never-ending Hall of Fame speech. How you wouldn't learn from Mr. T going on for too long and Kane having to rush him off the stage, I don't know. But I, I think at this point, we all agree that you've got to do something. We all love the Hall of Fame. We all love seeing people get honored. And for Goldberg to have to look out at the audience and see an audience that has started to empty out is unfair to the headliner. It's unfair that the audience is exhausted and had to sit through four hours of speeches before Goldberg even gets to stand up and say thank you. You know, that's not that's not that's not good for Goldberg. That's not fair. So how do you get people less people to leave and people to get not so bored? Twelve minute speeches. If you want to do a bit, you can also do a bit. And then Mr. T comes on. And that's it. I think that that's fair. I think that that's fair. Um Brent says, or you could get the iconic duo to come out and uh uh and and start to uh uh, insult them. Yeah, you could do that. But I, I'd say Mr. T comes up. He comes up on the big screen. He plays you off, and that's and that's what you do. Okay. So, we move on from Hall of Fame. That was Friday to Saturday. Saturday nights, NXT TakeOver New Orleans somehow was the best TakeOver yet. I don't know how they keep one-upping themselves. I don't know how it happens every single time. It really is... Incredible. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. They're able to do these takeovers and one after another. Universally, it's accepted that they just keep getting better and better and better. It was absolutely one of, if not the best takeovers of all time. Probably for me, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 1 will always be the best takeover just because it was so special and different. But... If you get past the sort of specialness, like the same way WrestleMania 3 will always be the best because of what it was, because it was special, because it was different, because it was Hulk Andre, because it was 90,000 people, Savage Steamboat, like there was something about that show that transitioned and brought the WWF at the time, the WWE, to a new level. That's what TakeOver Brooklyn 1 was for NXT. Now, in terms of just wrestling shows, they just keep getting better and better and better and better. And I don't, I, look, I don't think you can argue that NXT TakeOver New Orleans was the show of the weekend, and that includes everything. That includes everything at WrestleCon, that includes WrestleMania, that includes Raw SmackDown, that includes uh, Ring of Honor, that includes everything. I don't think anybody's going to be able to argue that TakeOver New Orleans was the best show of the weekend. That said, I don't, people were coming up to me a lot Sunday night, Monday, 
saying, well, what did you like better, WrestleMania or TakeOver? And inevitably, that's the question that comes up with every TakeOver. Did you like the main brand pay-per-view better or did you like the TakeOver better? And for me, I don't think that that's a fair question. I don't think that that's, that that's a fair scale because you're talking about a TakeOver where on paper it's two, two and a half hours. It goes over, it went over this time, but even when it goes over into overtime, it's three hours. You know, could NXT put on a seven-hour show that they're going to follow up with two episodes of live TV over the next two nights leading up to a show in Saudi Arabia that's that's just as big uh, at the end in three weeks and then another pay-per-view the next month? Like, I don't, like, NXT is just working at a different scale. So I don't think it's really fair to compare them. I think it's apples and oranges, but I also don't think you can argue that TakeOver New Orleans was the best show of the weekend. We started with the six-way ladder match, which it was either, you know, it's interesting with NXT. It was either, depending on what you like, it was either the first match or the last match that was the match of the night. It was either the main event or it was this ladder match that was match of the night. Uh, I thought everybody in this ladder match got themselves over. Everybody. Every single person. All six of the men. You had Ricochet, Adam Cole, Lars Sullivan, Killian Dane, uh, EC3, and the Velveteen Dream. All six of those guys are better off for being in this match. All six of those guys leave NXT TakeOver New Orleans better than they walked in, which is a really rare thing in a match like that. You can't say that about Money in the Bank matches. You know, usually one or two guys will really get over in those matches, but in terms of a six-way ladder match where all six guys walk out better, I mean, think about it. Killian Dane is quickly becoming the breakout of sanity. And it started, really, it started last year at WrestleMania when he showed up in the Andre Battle Royal. But he did it at War Games. You know, every time he has a, a spotlight to sh- shine under, he shines bright. You know, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch him. Lars Sullivan, Lars Sullivan probably... W- traveled further within that match than any other person in that match. Lars Sullivan went from uh, wait and see to there he is in that opening match. He went from, that's, okay, now, okay, you've got my attention, Lars. You know, it went from, geez, he looks amazing. Wow, he's a big guy. Oh, man, he is tough. One of these days, he's going to be something, too. There he is. We're ready. He's here. Lars Sullivan arrived at TakeOver. See, Killian Dane and Lars Sullivan. EC3 has been getting over on character in the match. He looked tremendous, big as a house, uh, uh, tanned to the gills, uh, and really just felt like he belonged, did not feel like an outsider in that match. A successful uh, first NXT match. Wasn't his first appearance because he did a promo, but his first televised match, super successful for EC3, and the fact that a guy who really is looked at as a WWE or TNA guy is in there hanging with the top guys in NXT, guys who have been the top in the in the indies, whether it's Ring of Honor or PWG or whatever. He is right in there with all of these guys and doesn't look like a fish out of water and is really, he's come so far. I mean, since his first trip to NXT when he was on the NXT reality show mashup thing that they did, the awful sci-fi show. Actually, by the time he was on, I think it was just on WWE.com. But he has come so incredibly far. It's sort of uh, jaw-dropping to watch. 
Then you've got uh, uh, Ricochet. I mean, if if that's not a great first impression, I don't know what is. From the moment when he was getting thrown from one corner to the other and everybody was like, oh my God, to the ladder falling backwards and Ricochet backflipping off of it onto the floor, onto his opponents. Ricochet, he was built for that match, picked his spots, right? So it wasn't just a flippy floppy Ricochet, you know, showcase. It was... There's a spot, there's a spot, there's a spot. They made sense. They were paced well. They left everybody going, okay, there he is. You know, a lot of people get sucked up in the hype when it comes to NXT. There are a lot of NXT fans that aren't necessarily indie fans. I was talking to a lot of people that are not familiar with Ricochet. Don't watch Lucha Underground, so they didn't know Prince Puma. Haven't seen his stuff from Japan with, you know, like the Will Ospreay match. Haven't seen his PWG stuff. They just know that he's got this reputation and he 100% lived up to it and had everybody in that building talking about like, oh, that's that guy. That's why they keep talking about him. There's nothing worse than having all this hype built up and people kind of leaving going, oh, I guess I expected more. And that didn't happen. Ricochet proved himself. Then you had the Velveteen Dream. And in terms of guys, in the last 365 days, I can't think of anybody on that NXT roster that has come further faster. Amazing to watch each and every time the Velveteen Dream, first of all, that elbow off the tippy top of the ladder was incredible. But every time the Velveteen Dream got his fingertips close to the North American Championship title, the crowd lost their mind. I mean, Velveteen Dream is so beloved with that audience. And I really think that that's one that's going to translate. I think that, you know, there have been uh, NXT personalities and NXT characters that have not translated on the main roster. The, uh, 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 the what's it called? Uh, uh, Connor and Victor did not cross over properly, but the Ascension, but that's, I mean, I, I personally think that that's in the way they were introduced. It just didn't click. Uh, you know, Bailey's having some trouble on the main roster now. There's been a history of it. I think that the authors of Pain are going to have no trouble transitioning to the main roster. Tyler Breeze had some trouble. I think the Velveteen Dream is not going to have any trouble transitioning over to the main roster. He just, he sells you. He he sells me, I believe, everything he does. And he lives that character, and I just think it's great. Then you had your winner of the match, Adam Cole, who, if you didn't realize he was a star when you walked into that, just listening to the crowd go crazy for him. Super cool. And it's one of those things that you really will only get in NXT. That, that that crowd is losing their minds for the Velveteen Dream. And when Adam Cole ends up winning the match, instead of them being pissed because they wanted the Dream, they're just as happy. Because they were just as happy to have Adam Cole win. Because they know that this is a guy who was maybe not supposed to be there. This is a guy who maybe people doubted. And is now here in WWE succeeding. And it's amazing to see. I'm super glad Adam Cole won. I didn't think he was going to. He was not my my pick. My pick was EC3. That's who I thought was going to win. But I'm really, really glad that Adam Cole won. Um, and I thought it was just a terrific match. I thought it was really, really a great match. I see uh, Velveteen is the Dalton Castle of NXT. I think, uh, I think he's a little bit different than Dalton Castle. Dalton Castle is more of a David Bowie... Freddie Mercury, glam rock guy. Whereas Velveteen Dream is clearly influenced by Prince. 
I, I think uh, they're both kind of based on rock stars, but Dalton Castle is more of an over-the-top, eccentric, glam rock star, whereas the Velveteen Dream is more sort of sensual and mysterious. You like what I'm doing with my hands here as I say it, if that makes sense. There, there's subtle differences to the characters that make it so that I don't think one is uh, copying or based on the other. Or Jimi Hendrix, maybe a little Jimi Hendrix in there, but not really. You know, Jimi Hendrix, he had that rock star vibe to him. You know, maybe a little bit in the dress, but Jimi Hendrix didn't have that sort of like, you know, like I'm, I'm trapping you with my eyes here. Like Jimi Hendrix would hypnotize you with his guitar, but he wouldn't like lock eyes with you and try to bring you in and, and do all that for me. That's what I think. Um, and Alec is saying, do you think it will hurt Velveteen Dream if he keeps performing uh, in these high-profile matches and losing? You know, it's possible, but I, and I think that that's going to be a conversation topic. You know, uh, that's certainly something that I would talk about on one of the pre-shows. That Look, Velveteen Dream steals the show every time and loses. Gargano was doing the same thing until this week. Velveteen Dream stole the show with Aleister Black. Velveteen Dream, I mean, he beat... Uh, uh, Cassius Ono, but you know when he's in those these show stealing matches, he generally loses. I don't think it'll hurt him because I think the character is so strong, and I think when it's his time, it'll be his time. But I think it's definitely going to be something that we talk about as the character evolves. We move on to the women's championship match: Shayna Baszler versus Ember Moon. Uh, which I was, I thought the match was good, not great, good. It was a good match. Um, it was what it should have been. And I'm really happy Shayna Baszler is the champion. Not just because Ember Moon is now on the main roster, but because I just think that Shayna Baszler is authentic and believable. I believe that Shayna Baszler can beat the women on that roster. I believe that finding out that you have to beat Shayna Baszler for that championship is a problem. I believe that the women on that roster would have a difficult time taking the championship from Shayna Baszler. It's like my other favorite woman on the roster of NXT right now is probably Kaidi Sane. And I love the idea of Kaidi Sane being this tiny little underdog who has all this heart and this amazing elbow drop and is not afraid of anything. But Shayna Baszler just crushes people. Just crushes them. So I think it's really, really interesting. And I think that, uh, that, that that's, you know, that's uh, why she is champion and why I'm glad that she's champion. I was, I was super happy with that. I, I, I predicted it, but I didn't fully expect it. You know, I didn't know if they were going to pull the trigger all the way on Shayna Baszler, and I'm really glad that they did. Of course, the tag triple threat match uh, was terrific. Um I love that uh, Roderick Strong went over to the Undisputed Era. I think it's going to inject something into Roderick Strong. Roddy had a gimmick that was a little bit too similar to Johnny Gargano in the sense that he's the guy who's just, you know, it's me against the world. You know, we're going to fight. We're going to keep going and, and rah, rah, rah. And it's kind of like that's what Johnny Gargano's doing. And he's having match of the year candidates every time. So I'm glad that uh, Roddy Strong has joined that faction. And I love that it's becoming a Ring of Honor faction. I think that that's just an interesting thing. It's this whole generation. You know, you look at like WrestleMania and you see Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in one ring at one time in the WWE. And you're like, that's amazing. And Seth Rollins is there too. 
That's an entire and Nigel McGuinness is on commentary. That's an entire generation of Ring of Honor talent. You know, before that they had unfortunately not at the same time, but some CM Punk, Samoa Joe, like that's another generation. This Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, Roddy Strong, like that's another generation. That's this previous generation of amazing Ring of Honor talent. And I I, I love the idea of them being grouped together and that uh that history being acknowledged, you know, it's a, it, it is. It's a good old school swerve from Roderick Strong, and and I think that it's gonna. I think it's gonna be good, and and I think that people are ready for a bad guy, Roddy Strong. I think that for a long time, you know, we've been rooting for this guy, and now it's time for something different. Now it's time for something different. So I think that this was the right time for it, and I think it was good. The NXT Championship match. I was shocked by this one. I, I'm a big Alistair Black fan. Love him, love his character. Think that he's easily going to be a star on the main roster whenever he ends up there. He's ready right now. It's it's all good. The whole package is right there. I was surprised that he won the NXT Championship, and I think that Andrade should have held on to it a little bit longer. I think that Andrade, especially with Zelina Vega, was a very good champion in NXT, and I think he, he just got better with every title defense. And I think that it, it would only have done him good to have him spend more time as champion. So while I'm happy for Alistair Black, I do wish that Andrade Almas was still the champion. Um, although, you know, and and I think it would have been cool to have Andrade be the first guy to end Alistair Black's streak. We'll talk about this later when we talk about WrestleMania. But yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of ending undefeated streaks. I think you've got to end them because not everything can be about this undefeated streak. At some point, you've got to have your first defeat so you can just go in and start really developing this character and developing this story and not just be, oh, who's going to beat him? Who's going to beat him? Who's going to beat him? At some point, you just got to lose your first match, still be a dominant competitor, and start developing new stories. Because until you do, you're just telling the same thing over and over again, and everything is about when is your first loss coming. So that's why I was ready for Aleister Black to lose and Andrade to keep the title. It didn't happen. Love Aleister Black, so I'm not upset about it. I just feel like I would have made a different call. Then you've got your unsanctioned match, which is uh, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, which, I, I mean, if you haven't seen this thing, I talked to a few people that only watched like the first half of TakeOver. They just hadn't gotten around just because there was so much wrestling this week. Do yourself a favor. Nobody that listens to this podcast should miss the match between Gargano and Ciampa. Nobody. Because it was on a different level entirely. That match was, first of all, you know, you'll never see that match on the main roster. And that's not a bad thing either because you can't have matches like that every night. That match can only happen every now and then. Tommaso Ciampa left the ring looking worse than most MMA fighters who are losing leave the cage looking, okay? His eye was swelled up. He, he, he attempted a pile driver. He attempted to choke him with tape. All these moves that are illegal by WWE standards, but it was reminded that it's unsanctioned. This is not WWE corporate rules. And while, of course, they didn't actually do the moves because they're outlawed in the promotion, we thought he was going to. I believed he might do a pile driver. I mean, damn, by the end of the match, it was so brutal. I believed that Gargano might stab Ciampa in the head with a broken crutch, 
when he started like jabbing towards him, I was like, oh my God, they're actually going to do this. You know? Most matches, you would see a spot like that and go, well, clearly he's going to get out of the way. Well, clearly he's going to move. You know, he's not going to stab him in the face with a broken crutch. But based on everything we saw, based on the fact that Ciampa was already looking at him with one eye almost swollen shut, limping, I said, yeah, he might do it. The, the, you can watch that match. You talk about telling a story within a match. There is a clear three-act story being told within the Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa match. A three-act story is obviously being told. And by the end of the thing, I mean, such a poetic ending. To see, you know, we and we all saw it coming. We were like, oh no, he's going to fall for it again. Gargano is falling for it again. Don't trust Ciampa. Whoa. He backs up. He misses the crutch. He then flips around, puts him in that lock, and then locks his face with Ciampa's own knee brace. You talk about poetic. That Gargano has finally learned. He has finally learned not to be the good guy, not to trust Ciampa. And he takes the knee brace that Ciampa has been relying on and locks his face with that, of all things. Oh, the irony was just seeping through me. I thought it was terrific. I thought it was really, really something special. And it's amazing. People backstage were calling him Johnny Last Match. Johnny Main Events. Johnny Wrestling is even beyond Johnny Wrestling at this point. To, to 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 sit there and see that whole thing happen was just, it's like nothing I've ever seen before. And to watch somebody, like, we were marveling in January at NXT TakeOver Philly that after his title match with Andrade, Gargano had been a part of a match of the year candidate. And how often do you have a match of the year candidate in January? Okay? You think that that's rare? Try having two match of the year candidates by April because two takeovers in a row, Gargano steals the show without any questions asked. And it was a very long match. And every single second counted. You you weren't leaving thinking like, oh, they could have shaved off a little bit here. Oh, it should have been. No, no. Every single second counted. Every movement meant something. It was a true payoff climax of a year-long build between these two ex-best friends. And it was amazing because clearly this wasn't supposed to last a year. Clearly, Gargano and Ciampa were supposed to get their hands on each other a lot sooner. But somehow, Ciampa having that injury, disappearing from TV, reappearing with a much longer beard and many more muscles... And way Tanner made it so much more special and made it so that we were really, that like this whole story about Gargano had been told in the meantime, we were just, just really, we were at a fever pitch waiting for this match to finally happen. And the fact that it didn't disappoint is a really, really amazing thing. So unbelievable takeover unbelievable listen to this guy on on facebook tommy says okada had four match of the year candidates in the first four months of last year okay everything okada has ever done is amazing i understand but watch what gargano is doing every single opportunity he gets he's knocking it out of the park and it's it's interesting that gargano is back 
It says Meltzer allegedly has already called Gargano Ciampa the greatest WWE match of all time. It's a big statement, you know, and, and the thing is that it's tough to call it the greatest WWE match of all time because it didn't mean as much to as many people because it was done in NXT. You know, and that's part of it. It just is. Like, you have to look at it from the perspective of the entire world. And not as many people are aware of the Gargano Ciampa story going into that match as were, you know, some of these other matches that you would put on that list of greatest WWE match of all time. However, you could absolutely argue that point. You could absolutely say it's on the list. You, I'm not even going to get mad at you when you say it is the best. I do think that we need a little time to pass before we make that statement. I know I do. Before I can tell you where it ranks on any list, uh, I definitely, I definitely need time to pass. But it is absolutely in the conversation because it was unbelievable. Um, and that's right. Rob is asking, is it better than Austin versus Brett at WrestleMania 13? Was the match itself better? Yeah, probably. Was the story better? Maybe it was. Was it more important? No, no possible way, no conceivable way. However, Johnny Gargano is about as close to the second coming of a young Daniel Bryan as you can get, which is ironic because Daniel Bryan's back and we don't need a second Daniel Bryan. So we'll see where it all goes. But TakeOver was just absolutely incredible. And even people who had high expectations because it's a TakeOver, I think had their expectations blown out of the water. Just Triple H and 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 everybody, Matt, Matt Bloom and everybody over there at NXT are just doing such a good job of maintaining this brand. It's like nothing I've seen before. All right, let's move. And I did see, that's a, that's a great question, uh, Mike. I did see the Mauro video. WWE put out a video of Mauro Ronaldo doing commentary for TakeOver and they just put out, there's like a spy cam in the table, in the commentary table, so that they can communicate, so that the people in Gorilla can can non-verbally communicate, hey, if you hear this, give me a thumbs up, with the people at the commentary table. And they took that footage of Morrow just losing his mind on this show and put it up there. And Morrow really is a great commentator for NXT. I mean, you talk about a guy who can tell the stories and convey the emotion and the excitement in all of these matches. Morrow is that guy, so hats off to him because he really really adds to the product. Um, and people are saying less is more. Mania was too long. Mania was too long, but May- that's what Mania is now. Mania is this long marathon super show of everything that is WWE. And speaking of Mania, let's move on to Mania. We did Friday, we did Saturday. Let's move on to Sunday, and we go to WrestleMania. So already on the kickoff show, they reversed the order of the Andre Battle Royal and the Women's Battle Royal from my uh, fantasy match listing, which I got at the time because they wanted to make sure the Women's Battle Royal was on the USA portion of the kickoff show. So you had the Andre Battle Royal. I called it the Bray Wyatt thing, the Matt Hardy thing. Uh, I thought it was as it should be, perfect, well used. Uh, no complaints whatsoever about the Andre Battle Royal and that being the match to start it off. Totally made sense, especially given the... Uh, the uh, USA portion of the show. Totally great. Cruiserweight Championship match at WrestleMania. Um, And by the way, somebody just in the Facebook chat said Graves was amazing at Mania. Um, Yeah. Uh, Here's what you have to... Corey Graves deserves a lot of credit. Corey Graves did... What was it? Six? He did the last hour of the pre-show and then the entire pay-per-view. So say 
Six hours of commentary at WrestleMania, three hours of commentary on Raw, and then two on SmackDown. That's 11 hours of commentary over the course of three days. Nobody else is doing that. I don't know if anybody else has done that. But really amazing stuff by Corey Graves. And for him, it was just another couple days at the office. Unbelievable. So Andre Battle Royal, totally cool with. Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali. I was right about uh, where that laid. Um, I uh, don't agree with the result, though. I think that uh, originally, because, you know, I feel like it was... Uh, Cedric Alexander was feuding for the uh, NX, for the Cruiserweight Championship before Enzo was gone. So I don't know why you have to spend two months, build an entire tournament, go all the way to WrestleMania, only to give it to the guy who was the number one contender when this whole thing started. Like, we could have gotten there a lot quicker if we weren't going to go anywhere new with the story. And Mustafa Ali... Uh, has done so much in the last several weeks to really generate interest in himself and to really make people pay attention to him. I thought that Mustafa Ali was a no-brainer for this one. I thought that, that it, and I still think that that title absolutely should have gone to Mustafa Ali just because of, of how interested people are in him as, as opposed to what else is going on in the Cruiserweight show. Uh, we, we close off the kickoff show. With the women's battle royal, again, makes total sense. A little surprised that Naomi won. Uh, I liked the NXT involvement in it. I thought that was good. Uh, I was a little surprised that there weren't more legends involved, but I guess they didn't want to redo the the women's Royal Rumble again. Um, And... I think that uh, I, the, the Sasha Bailey thing was great. I still wish there would have been a little bit more of the Sid Justice thing because they haven't truly... I, I think that clearly Sasha Banks is the heel between them, um, but I wish there was a little bit more of a commitment to that, like make one of them the hard heel and the hard face. Uh, but that is what you should have used that uh, royal battle royal for if you weren't going to... If you weren't going to actually have that match. I still th- wish that that match had happened at WrestleMania. But I don't know what I would cut out to have it. Um, and, you know, Naomi winning is always a good thing. I always like to see Naomi win things. Uh, and, you know, I was kind of surprised that Becky Lynch didn't win, to tell you the truth. If you're just going to give it to a, a girl who's super talented and just needs a little something, I think Becky Lynch is your girl. But either way, I was I was totally totally fine with it. We then go... To the main show of the evening. And uh, uh, it's the match that I thought was going to start WrestleMania. It's the Intercontinental Triple Threat match. It's Miz versus Finn Balor versus Seth Rollins for the Intercontinental Championship. And you know, this was looked at as one of, if not the best matches on the show. Which I love. Because you had every reason, I you know the entrances were spectacular using the uh, 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 the, the the graphics for the Miz's entrance was really cool. The AR, the augmented reality graphics for the Miz's entrance was great. Then having Seth come out with the with the with the blue contacts and the thing in the background. Then having Finn Balor come out with the rainbow letters and all the people cheering for him. It is still over, is capitalized and everything. Great entrances to start the show. A lot of star power to start the show. Seth Rollins as Intercontinental Champion, I think, is a good pick. Uh, I think The Miz can start to move up the ranks. I think after Roman Reigns is done with Samoa Joe, Miz is the ideal pick. I think Miz versus Roman Reigns would be a great SummerSlam. 
match. I think that's what that's what I would want for SummerSlam is Miz versus Roman Reigns um, for the WWE Universal Championship at that point. Maybe Roman wins it at uh, uh, the Greatest Royal Rumble or something. Who knows how long Brock's contract is? We'll talk about all that. But uh, yes, I I was I was happy with it. You know, you always want to see the Miz win, but I I something in me makes me feel like the Miz is going to be able to move on to even bigger things after that match. And it gives Seth Rollins uh, a reason for being a little bit while he's out of the universal title picture for the moment. And who knows? Maybe he'll end up on SmackDown. We'll talk about all that. But yeah, great, great, great opening match to the show. And uh, I was happy that, that Seth Rollins won the thing. Um Seth Rollins was a White Walker. Yeah, I think there was some definitely some Game of Thrones influence in the Seth Rollins getup. I was wrong about the second match on the show. The second match on the show was actually Charlotte versus Asuka. And interestingly enough, I mean, but I did have a women's match. I had Alexa versus Nia as my second match. They had Charlotte versus Asuka. And I do appreciate all the people that I saw in New Orleans that had said, like a bunch of people said on their drive to New Orleans from wherever they were coming from, they were listening to the podcast and getting excited about the lineup. So, I, I mean, I think it's absolutely stupid. If any of you were the ones that were commenting on my Instagram when I posted my lineup saying that I was going to get in trouble with WWE or getting mad at me for spoilers or whatever that was, just read captions, man. Just read captions. Um, but Charlotte versus Asuka was the other one. That was the argument, really. In terms of best match of the night, People argued the first match, the Intercontinental Triple Threat, or the second match with Asuka and Charlotte. And I think that the argument is is valid. I think Asuka versus Charlotte was also one of my favorite matches of the night. Such a strong start to the show. Uh, I was glad that they had the opportunity to go on early because it left the crowd with no fatigue. Uh, I think Charlotte shocked the world. I don't think anybody saw the match coming, uh, saw the ending of the match coming when it came. And... Charlotte's entrance was just unbelievable. Charlotte's entrance was terrific. Every part of it. I mean, from a le- from an aesthetic level, from a physical level, from a uh, you know a storytelling level, from a karmatic level, from every every part of it. Just the the tip of the hat, the throwback to the last time that WWE was in New Orleans when Charlotte was an extra in Triple H's entrance to use the same kind of theme but to have the some of the male NXT superstars be entrances extras for Charlotte's entrance, terrific. Terrific stuff. Thought the match was good. I am an advocate for Charlotte winning that match. I was very happy that she won that match. She probably had the best entrance of WrestleMania, in my opinion. I'm very happy that Charlotte won the match. Uh, I think that it was time for Asuka's streak to end, and I think it's going to make Asuka more interesting. I don't think Asuka loses anything. I think Asuka can still be dominant. This wasn't like a Goldberg loses to Kevin Nash thing. Uh, and and I, I think that now we can move forward with Asuka and really get her involved in, in some storylines. Because otherwise, you know, you have matches like Bailey versus Asuka or something like that. And if Asuka's got an a undefeated streak going for years, Bailey's not beating Asuka. But if the undefeated streak is over, then maybe it could get interesting. Maybe it depends on the storytelling now. That's why I think losing undefeated streaks are more interested than holding them. They're fun for a while, but then eventually if you want the superstar to have longevity and to do varied and different things in their career, they've got to lose at some point uh, unless they're Andre the Giant. So, and even Andre. 
So uh, I was super, super happy that Charlotte won. And in hindsight, I'm okay that Carmella did not cash in at WrestleMania, that she did so at, at SmackDown, because it, it allowed Charlotte to really have her moment. WrestleMania, that match was about cementing Charlotte as the premier female on the roster. Charlotte is as close to John Cena as any female could be on that roster. That's what that match was about, cementing Charlotte as the future of the division, the most important player in the division, and what will go down is maybe the best female superstar in the history of WWE. And they were successful, I think. They were successful in that attempt. Um, let's go to... Uh, and then uh, uh, somebody on Facebook talked about it, and there was a controversy with the fact that Charlotte lost the next night and it evened things out. And about, Well, no, and we'll get to that when we get to SmackDown. Uh, but we go over to the United States Championship match. Um, that one... That one was surprising. I didn't think that... I. I I was sure that Rusev was going to win. And maybe they didn't realize how popular he was because the kickoff show started with Rusev Day Chance. When we went outside to do the uh, the, the stand-up, when I was like, hey, the network is free, we were just we just said to the crowd, hey, chant something while I'm talking. And they started chanting Rusev Day on their own. I mean, it's amazing watching how many people were walking in and out of the Mercedes-Benz Super, Superdome with Rusev Day t-shirts and hoodies on, it was just, you can't ignore it. You can't ignore it, and I they are trying to a little bit, and you're not going to be able to, but nevertheless, Jinder is the new United States champion, and I mean, I guess, you know, they're going with Randy Orton versus Jinder. I think you got to go Rusev, and he's a good guy. You got to have Rusev chasing that title. I think Rusev, Rusev really should be champion right now. Rusev absolutely should have won that match. Absolutely. We then move to the mixed tag team match. And this is one we have to unpack a little bit. Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle versus Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. This was the match that had the most people talking as they left the Superdome. This is the match that really had people going. And 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 had people loudly cheering. This match changed things for Ronda Rousey, and you heard it on Raw. This match changed everything. Because in this match, we were reminded that Ronda Rousey is an elite athlete. And maybe, you know, trash talking and cutting promos is not yet her forte. But when she has time to train, boy, can she pick up on pro wrestling quickly. The things that she was doing in that match, her arm bars look legit. Picking up Triple H from the mat, falling over with people, rolling through stuff. Oh my God. Ronda Rousey deserves all the credit in the world because she became a professional wrestler in time for WrestleMania. Ronda Rousey, not only did Ronda Rousey become a professional wrestler, she became a great professional wrestler. And I don't think, some people argue that, you know, Ronda's first match should have been against uh, one of the females on the roster. Absolutely not. Not true. This is the perfect first thing for Ronda Rousey to do. It almost separates her from the main roster. It puts her in the spot where she's a much bigger star, which she is. And because she's working with Triple H and because Stephanie McMahon is right there with her, there is no risk. 
The people around her can take care of her. And the story that needs to be told can be told with somebody who has never done a pro wrestling match before. There is nobody on the women's roster that is capable of going to WrestleMania and giving Ronda Rousey her first match. It's just not fair. It's not fair to Ronda, and it wouldn't be fair to her opponent because we need to see. We need to be blown away the first time we see Ronda Rousey, and that can happen with a guy like Triple H. And I'm not calling Stephanie McMahon this greatest worker of all time, but the fact that she's running the company, IRL, in real life, would lead you to believe that she's going to be able to put Ronda Rousey in a position to be successful in the way that they see fit for Ronda. Make her successful to the point where you're getting out of her what you wanted when you hired her. You know? Uh, it says, uh, Ronda was great, but Steph got in way too much offense. She should have gotten destroyed. I, can't, I mean, if you're going to complain about the match, I would agree with that. I don't think that Stephanie should have been able to protect herself with those grips so much from the submission holes. But all in all, I think people were left blown away by that match and should have been. And it was fair. Um, It says, I was impressed by Stephanie. Yeah, Steph showed up, man. Stephanie McMahon showed up to that match. I don't think it's fair to complain. There's no, I have no complaints about it. I was surprised. And I'm, I'm interested to see what Ronda's going to do next. Clearly, she's going to keep training. But if this is where we're starting, I think we're in for a fun ride with Ronda Rousey in the WWE. We're in for a very fun ride. And, you know, I, I think what's next for Ronda Rousey is going to be determined a lot by the Superstar Shakeup. Maybe Charlotte, now that she's not the champion, comes over to Raw, and that's the next thing for Ronda Rousey. Who knows? We can speculate on that all we want when we talk about the Superstar Shakeup. But what we can do is say, coming out of WrestleMania, whew, some person is saying Steph did terrible. She was going step by step and had no flow at all. That's not true. She didn't do terrible at all. I think that everybody in the match was going step by step because the person who the match was designed around was having her first pro wrestling match. That's Ronda Rousey. But no part of that match felt by the book to me. It was fun. It was exciting. It was everything that it should have been and you could expect it to be. And if you didn't like it, I think you're pessimistic. I think you're looking for something to complain about in this thing. Um, let's go to what the match that came after that, which was the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. A quick one, but something that, again, I was happy about. Uh, it's, is this about... By the way, I had Angle Rousey going on third. They went on fourth. I had the Usos, New Day, and the Bludgeon Brothers following Angle and Rousey. They did. So props to the big man, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. That match went how I believe it should have gone. Not too long. You have a long night with a lot of matches, uh, and and the Bludgeon Brothers came out on top. The Bludgeon Brothers should be tag team champions of SmackDown. I think that they're great. I think that if you're going to have a gimmick like that, you have to be dominant. And you have to be the tag team champions. And, you know, that's it. I, 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 was, I was happy with it. And again, you know, I think that the, the Usos have had their time and are going to be able to go back and forth with the Bludgeon Brothers. And I truly think the New Day breaks up very soon. So, you know, I think that that's, that match went exactly the way that match should have gone. So, after that was Undertaker versus John Cena. Now, 
I love John Cena in the crowd. I can't believe John Cena was in the crowd for three hours. He wasn't just running out there when the camera was on him. He was in the crowd the entire time. And it was at least three hours, if not more, because he was there for the entire two-hour pre-show. And I believe he was out there for about an hour of the main show. He ran back after a referee whispered in his ear after the Asuka-Charlotte match. Apparently because The Undertaker was there. So how did I think this segment did? John Cena did his thing. I thought it was a really great moment for Elias. If you're not going to have The Rock on Raw, I mean, if you're not going to have The Rock at WrestleMania, then there couldn't have been a better spot for Elias. The boos that rang through the Superdome when Elias came out because they were expecting The Undertaker was like nothing I'd ever heard before. Great moment for Elias. I think Elias is the biggest winner of everybody having to do with this segment. So good for Elias. Um, As far as John Cena and Undertaker goes, I think that you have to be ready to get what you ask for. Okay? Seeing The Undertaker's entrance was amazing. Clearly, this is not The Undertaker's last match because we've already found out that at, according to WWE's Instagram, at the Greatest Royal Rumble in Saudi Arabia, Undertaker is fighting Rusev in a casket match. So I, I do think that we're in a very odd state with The Undertaker right now where he's still getting used for various things. And I do, I do hope... See, my vision of this was... The Undertaker and John Cena have a real match, and then a year from now, Undertaker goes into the Hall of Fame, and that's it. The match that we saw at WrestleMania, if that's The Undertaker's last WrestleMania match, that's awkward. Really awkward. You would have been better off retiring after the loss at WrestleMania. I think now he's... Honestly, after that match, Undertaker's got to come back for another WrestleMania match, and maybe against John Cena. But The Undertaker needs to wrestle another WrestleMania match, believe it or not. I think that that match went like that because they wanted a high-profile spot for John Cena. They wanted, they knew if they gave John Cena anybody except The Undertaker, people would be chanting, for, we want Undertaker and booing it. The Undertaker probably can't do that much at the moment. And look, The Undertaker gets criticized. The last several years, ever since WrestleMania 30, people have been very critical about what The Undertaker does in the ring. Uh, so I think that they were like, look, all we can do is roll out the greatest hits. Undertaker can roll out the greatest hits and that's it. I think they want John Cena off TV for a little while. They want John Cena in a prime spot at WrestleMania. Obviously, if the Undertaker's going to be there, he's got to be in a prime spot. And if the Undertaker can't do a full match, then just roll out the greatest hits and end the match quick. I thought it was cool the way it ended. I mean, it left people shocked. Whoa, that's it. And it reminds you that The Undertaker is is good. And he did the old school move. He was up on the top. He walked the rope. I mean, that was special. Again, this can't be his last match. And I think people were expecting the American Badass and didn't get it. So that's a, it was a little weird. I thought that the hat and the coat appearing in the ring was cool. I didn't see them put it there. And I was out there in like the front row watching this match. Um, but... You know, I, I, and I think that it's great that John Cena got squashed. I mean, how often does that happen? Look at John Cena just allowing it to happen. I believe that John Cena, I thought that this was going to be the end of the John Cena is losing matches storyline and the end of The Undertaker's career. This is not the end of either one of those two things. When John Cena comes back, he's coming back after a string of losses. He doesn't have it anymore. The Undertaker still needs a retirement match now. 
Roman Reigns could have been his retirement match. Now, he's back. Now he's wrestling Rusev. He did a five-minute match with John Cena. That was my takeaway. Wasn't horrible. The Undertaker now needs a retirement match. That cannot be the last Undertaker match. Because if it is, then that is horrible. Um, Let's go to uh, the next match, which is the mixed tag match. You know, it was interesting. Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And I feel as though Daniel Bryan's return is not being made into the big deal that it is. I think that it was a headline that was getting buried leading into WrestleMania. I think the fact that Daniel Bryan didn't say a word, no real promos or anything, like, you know, it just, it it felt like the crowd almost took for granted that he was coming back. Plus, they were so fatigued after everything that they had seen, it just wasn't quite the magical moment that it should have been. You know, he's still, the first yes chant was still amazing. But it, it wasn't, it wasn't half of what his title win in New Orleans was. You know, it wasn't wasn't half of that. And I guess he's coming back on a full-time basis now. So, uh, I don't know. It's really, really interesting. Uh, but, yeah, I was, I was surprised that that wasn't more of a headline coming out of WrestleMania, Daniel Bryan Returns, that that was somewhere like, you know, I think Brock, I think Ronda, Asuka losing, Nakamura turning heel, all those were bigger stories than Daniel Bryan's first match back, believe it or not. So, you know, that's kind of a bummer, but if Daniel Bryan's back, he's got plenty of time to make up for it. Uh, let's go to, uh, and, and yeah, uh, he didn't, he didn't get the pop of the night. I, it was surprising that he didn't get the pop of the night, says Rob. Yeah, he, Daniel Bryan did not get the pop of the night. I don't know who pop of the night would go to. Probably The Undertaker. You know, probably The Undertaker got pop of the night. Um, or Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey was definitely a bigger talking point than I think most people thought she would be, but that's because she delivered so well. Um, Let's go to the next match. Nia Jax defeating Alexa Bliss. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great match. Great story told. Great emotion coming out there. Nia Jax uh, went from gonna be a star to a star in at WrestleMania. Nia Jax was absolutely perfect. I am so happy that she's champion. And, you know, if you're not on the Nia Jax bandwagon now, I just don't know what you're waiting for because it was just great, 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 great. Good for Nia Jax, and I'm glad the match went the way it went because it was great. Um, then it was the uh, WWE Championship match between AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, which I thought was a good match. I mean, just going over this card is already exhausting, right? It was a long night of action. I... Didn't feel like it was long, but that's because, you know, I had all this energy in me from being a part of the show. I was watching and catering. I was going out to the front row. Like, I was all over the place. So I am very, 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 very biased when it comes to talking about this show. And I'm trying to be as uh, uh, outside of myself as possible when I break down what happened here. AJ versus Shinsuke Nakamura was a very good match. It was not an all-time classic, but it was a good match. Um... We were talking about it backstage, and the consensus was that 
AJ doesn't need the title, but Nakamura needs to stop losing matches. So as much as I said AJ should win, because to me, AJ is like the next John Cena. Like AJ is as close to John Cena as they have right now, in my personal opinion, in terms of little kids like him, adults like him. He can do incredible things. You know, I, I, I he's not quite the uh, media representative that John Cena is just yet, but I still think AJ Styles is about as close as you've got. Um, that said... You know, Nakamura, I felt, needed to stop losing big matches because, you know, people didn't really take him seriously. I think that the heel turn made the match. I don't think people saw it coming until it happened. Like, I was sitting there watching, and when he bent down to hand him the title, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Tell me it's going to happen. There's going to be a heel turn. Please tell me there's going to be a heel turn. Please. Oh, he low-blowed him. He low-blowed him like a good bad guy does. That I loved. I loved the Shinsuke Nakamura heel turn. I think this is absolutely going to take Shinsuke to the next level. I mean, just watching him watching him kick. His entrance, I might take it back. Shinsuke's entrance was probably even better than Charlotte's. I think entrance of the night, it goes Shinsuke Nakamura, then Charlotte. You know, the guys in that triple threat match had great entrances. Mm, uh, 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 Asuka had a really, really terrific entrance. Uh... You know, there were good entrances. Nakamura probably had the best entrance of the night. Nakamura probably did. Um, although, you know, the, the Braun Strowman entrance was also really, really good, which we'll talk about in a moment. But I think that I think that Shinsuke Nakamura turning heel is a great, great, great call and is going to take this performer to the next level. And to me, already has. You know, I'm already caring more about him, believing him. And I'm a Nakamura fan. You go back you know, over the last few years of this show. And I was losing my mind when Nakamura got signed. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was so excited. I loved when he got to NXT. Like, I've been a Nakamura fan since the New Japan days. And I thank God for this podcast. I've been on record as that. But I do think that he needs something like this. And his promo on SmackDown, we'll talk about it, but no speaky English. Like, he's just now, he's firing on all cylinders. And it's easier to be, like, if Nakamura is going to be a rock star, he shouldn't be kissing babies. He should be like Axl Rose or Scott Weiland, you know, a rock star that while he's at the top of his game, everybody just can't stand because he's so full of himself and he's so difficult to be around. That's the type of rock star Nakamura should be and that's the type of rock star that he's becoming. Uh... One person is saying, who's this? Uh, Steven is saying, Nakamura is a heel in New Japan, was absolute gold. Glad he finally made the turn on WWE TV. I absolutely do too. I just don't think that Nakamura, I think he was a good, good guy, but I don't think that within the confines of WWE, he had the ability at this moment to be a great, good guy. But he's got the potential to be a great, bad guy. And uh, I think that's what's happening. Controversial one here. Let me take let me take a drink because this is an extended state of wrestling. We're only on what is this story number three? We still got two after this. Mm-mm-mm. Ah, tag team championships are on the line. By the way, uh, Sam says, do you continue to uh, the AJ program or send heel Nakamura to Raw? I would absolutely keep Nakamura on SmackDown. You know, I, I think that there's, you're now, I, with two guys that respect each other and AJ wins, I don't think you have the potential for a rematch. 
I think that now that Nakamura is a bad guy, you could you could potentially take this all the way into SummerSlam and just have great AJ Styles versus Nakamura matches. I mean, I'm really looking forward to that. That is awesome. Maybe they'll do it as soon as uh, the Greatest Royal Rumble. The WWE Championship is going to be on the line, I think. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. So, we then move into the Tag Team Championship match. You know, I thought that the bar coming out on the Mardi Gras float was really weird, especially because since Braun Strowman is such a good guy now, they were obviously the bad guys of that match. Um but it was all made worthwhile when Braun Strowman destroyed the float. And it wasn't even destroying the float that did it for me. That shot of the uh, uh, Mardi Gras mascots with the big heads and stuff, the float people, running off the stage with their hands in the air, like, oh, like screaming straight towards the camera down the ramp was money, 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 money. Just loved, loved that shot of like these... These parade mascots are afraid of the monster among men. Now let's talk about Nicholas. Nicholas was super over. You know, it's really weird because I think people like the idea of Nicholas, but didn't like the reality of it. Like, I think people got the fun of it and enjoyed it because, you know, the crowd's chanting, we want Nicholas. You know, people are making t-shirts. People are posting Instagram posts, like all over the place. Like, it's just a fun idea. You know, it's so funny that Braun wins the Tag Team Championships and says Braun Strowman and Nicholas. You know, they take photos together. I do think Nicholas should be added to the WWE alumni section on WWE.com because, you know, can't compete. He's in school. But uh, I, 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 I get the criticism. And we had this conversation about the Battle Royal. And the question was, you know, clearly... What Braun Strowman is doing is killing the tag team division. Is Braun Strowman valuable enough to kill the tag team division on Raw temporarily? And my answer was yes. I decided yes. Now, in my personal opinion, the reason there were people who really didn't like the Nicholas thing is because expectations just got insane. I heard everything from Big Show to Samoa Joe to people saying Hulk Hogan to people saying Stone Cold Steve Austin was going to be Braun Strowman's tag team partner. Now, explain to me how pairing Braun Strowman up with a bigger star than Braun Strowman is good for Braun Strowman. The idea of Braun Strowman is he is a one-man wrecking crew, a man with no friends that can destroy everything in his sight. Braun Strowman should not have a tag team partner. There should be nobody even coming close to the spotlight that is on Braun Strowman. The build of Braun Strowman has been terrific. It's been a nice slow build. He's been able to survive losses. He's been able to survive uh, missing opportunities. He's been able to survive it all. The last thing that I think you want to do is put him in there with a partner that people are more excited to see than him. The spotlight should be on Braun Strowman. Now, I predicted that Braun Strowman would be his own tag team partner. I advocated for the idea of Braun Strowman not having a tag team partner and being the first ever man to hold the tag team championships and defend the tag team championship by himself. That's where I think we should have gone with this. Uh, I think that if you're going to have Braun Strowman just beat the bar, have Braun Strowman beat the bar. You know, he did it anyway. 
Nicholas didn't get any offense in at all. He tagged him in once. He didn't touch him. That face that Cesaro made where he looked like he was going to kill Nicholas was so fantastic. Good on Cesaro. That, that, that was so good. But, you know, it really doesn't do anything for the bar to have them beat. It almost makes them look worse to have them beat by Braun Strowman and some little kid. If you're going to do that, just have Braun Strowman do it on his own. I think it would have been good to have Braun Strowman just win the championships by himself, show up on Raw with both titles, and then start wrestling handicap matches. You know, when he was wrestling enhancement talent, he would wrestle two and three at a time. So let's go through a phase where Braun Strowman is wrestling tag teams. And eventually you can strip him of the title and say, look, you can't continue to wrestle teams. There's a thing in the book here that says, you know, you need a partner. But give him a month as tag team champions by himself. That's what I would have done. You know, that's that that's where I think uh, they should have gone personally. And then, of course, the final match was Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Very, very controversial match. The crowd took a giant dump on this match as soon as it started. There are a couple reasons for that. Number one, it was very, very late in the evening. We were into the seventh hour of professional wrestling. Number two... Rumor was heavy that Brock Lesnar was leaving, and this reminded us all of WrestleMania 20 when the crowd just destroyed that match because they knew Brock Lesnar and Goldberg were both leaving. Number three, people didn't want Roman Reigns to win, and they felt like because Brock was leaving, that was inevitable. And a lot of us talked about that, like it was inevitable that Roman Reigns was going to win this match, and he didn't. Brock won. I don't think that the fans dumping on this match was fair because at the end of the day, it wasn't a bad match. It was a brutal match. It wasn't a bad match. It wasn't bad at all. It was what it was. It was Brock Lesnar doing his thing, just kicking the crap out of Roman Reigns. I mean, I know blood is illegal in the WWE. It's against policy, and we shouldn't have seen it. But that 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 end of that match with with Roman Reigns just gushing blood and looking like a like a like a man possessed, taking six F fives, the whole thing. Fans were very unfair to that match. There were beach balls going for that match, and it was almost like it was uh, sabotaged. Now, I am not one to tell fans ever how to behave. I think it's up to the superstars to win the fans over. But I think, you know, we should, as fans, try to give these guys an opportunity to surprise us. I don't mind you taking a big, giant, steaming dump over the match after it happens, but if you're doing it because you think you know what's going to happen... And then it doesn't happen. I would hope that that teaches you a lesson to not boo until something actually happens. Don't boo the potential for something happening because it may not happen. You don't have to worry about it, you know? Uh, I did hear the rumors that there was some kind of altercation between the McMahons and Brock Lesnar after the match. Obviously, I was there. I was not in Gorilla. I was not hanging out with Brock Lesnar or the McMahons. I didn't see anything. Um, but I, I could get where the McMahons would be pissed, you know? that Brock busted Roman wide open. I get where Brock would be pissed. He was probably annoyed that the crowd was was against him so much. But, you know, the crowd would not be against Brock Lesnar if Brock Lesnar didn't push the narrative that he really doesn't care that much about wrestling. So I do think that the fans were really unfair to this match. Uh, and 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 I think that that's, that can be said because if you look at what happened after the match... Everybody was shocked. The crowd was a gasp. The show did not end on booze. The show ended in pure shock because Brock won. And as long as that's a potential, 
let's not take a steaming dump on the match that may end in a cool way. And to me, the match ended in a cool way. So that's, uh, 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 that's WrestleMania. Ralph says Brock did the same thing to Rome, to Randy Orton at SummerSlam. Yeah, I think that that's true. And clearly that's a problem because he can't be doing that. You know, I, they stopped the match with Randy Orton, if I remember right, at SummerSlam uh, a few years ago. And then this one, you know, thank God they didn't stop it because it was a WrestleMania main event. But still, you know, you have to, you have to, as a company, be able to trust Brock Lesnar going out there. I mean, it looks awesome. Don't get me wrong. It looks awesome. I'm just, if I ran the company, I would probably think differently. I don't run the company. So I think it's, it's looks awesome that he's bleeding. I think blood is cool in wrestling. But if you're a company that wants to present a family product, I get not wanting to show blood. Um, it says if Brock Roman was in the middle, this could be seen as a top three to five WrestleMania. They hit all their demos big time. Smarks, kids, casual women, mainstream media. Yeah, but look, no, that's not true because if Brock Roman was in the middle, the shock of Brock winning would have been really, really difficult to come back from. The problem wasn't that Brock Roman was in the middle. If Brock's going to win that match, that match should go on last because it's such a shock. The problem was nobody was willing to believe that that was a possibility, so they didn't they didn't allow it to happen. That, to me, is what happened here on, on at the end of this show. Uh, somebody's saying Roman bladed, in my opinion. No, he didn't. It, I mean, watch the tape. You can see Brock Lesnar using his elbow to cut Roman open on his hairline. Like, it's blatantly obvious. Um, you know, I didn't ask, I didn't talk to Roman or Brock about it, but I'm watching the show just like you guys do, and that's very, very obvious to me. All right. Let's move on to uh, uh, the night after WrestleMania. Let's go on to Monday Night Raw, and we go through the segments of Monday Night Raw. Of course, you know, the Stephanie McMahon-Ronda Rousey segment, this is evidence of how much... WrestleMania did for Ronda Rousey. This is evidence of what WrestleMania did for Ronda Rousey. Because the fans were cheering for her. The fans were excited to see her. And even after the segment, the fans were still on her side when she locked Stephanie in that armbar. Ronda Rousey is over, and she earned it with her performance at WrestleMania. Bravo for Ronda Rousey. Good stuff. Good stuff. We find out there's going to be a superstar shakeup, which we'll uh, talk about at some point. I don't think it's going to be today, but we'll see. Um, and then Nia Jax came to the ring and uh, brought Ember Moon up onto the main roster. Cool to see Ember Moon come up. I think that she's going to be successful on the main roster. You know, I think that uh, always good to have more female talent. It's going to be interesting to see what NXT does. They're really starting to lose. You know, with that uh, come up of Absolution and the Riot Squad all coming up. And now... Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, and Ember Moon all coming up. I don't, I don't exactly know. Luckily, you've got those women that were in the uh, Battle Royal at WrestleMania other than, you know, uh, Peyton Royce. And I don't know if Billy Kay was in it or wasn't, but Peyton Royce definitely was. Um, so you, you've got them left, but it almost seems like they're, they're rushing some of the people. You know, I, I think that I think that NXT is going to struggle with finding a women's division. I think they're going to find it, like they always do. But I guess this is just one of the uh, the casualties of being attached to the WWE. Uh, no way, Jose debuted on the main roster, and you know, I think in order for no, 
this form of no way Jose is is not going to work. I mean, this form of no way Jose is literally the same thing as Adam Rose. It's literally the same act. I mean, it looks exactly the same as Adam Rose. And that wasn't that long ago, and that really didn't work. No way Jose. The gimmick is... Oh, something fell down. The gimmick is that he likes to have fun, right? And I'm all about it. I love fun. I don't mind that as a gimmick. If I'm No Way Jose, or if I'm responsible for No Way Jose, I think No Way Jose needs to go out into the crowd. Even if you're going to plant these people, he shouldn't be coming out of the locker room with a conga line of people who are dressed in a crazy way. You know, that doesn't make sense. So you're telling me that even backstage he's doing his conga line thing? Like, I don't think so. No way Jose needs to be a man of the people. He needs to be bringing fun to the people. That's what that act is. If I'm responsible for No Way Jose, and I think this would make a night and day change, I'm having No Way Jose come out through the crowd every time, on the floor, not like, you know, not like the Shield did. On the floor he comes out. And No Way Jose starts a conga line of fans. Pick a row. Maybe it's that last row in the front row uh, by hard cam. And No Way Jose comes out. Or just start picking fans off, picking fans off. And you you start your entrance in the crowd. You form your conga line in the audience. And then you walk in through that gap in the barrier where the timekeeper's table is. And then you still do your conga line around the ring. But it's with real fans that you got from the audience, that we saw join the conga line in the audience. And then those fans disperse. They don't stay at ringside as everything's happening. They're ushered back to their seats. If no way Jose wins, he dances in the ring. No way. Jose, no way. Jose, he starts dancing up on the wall, on the barrier. Then he jumps into the crowd and he forms another conga line as he exits through the crowd. But the conga lines should form in the crowd. And they should be made up of regular people. Not of crazy dressed extras. Because otherwise you're just doing Adam Rose's thing. You know, you don't have to you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. But there are differences you can make that would make it so that like, oh, no way Jose is just a guy who loves to he loves to do a conga line. He loves to dance, he loves to party, and he loves the fans. He loves being out there with the fans. But like as fans we watch No Way Jose and we're like, how did all those guys get backstage with him? I want to get backstage with No Way Jose, but I have no access. If we watch him go through the audience and just pick people out of their seats, I go, oh, all I need to do is get tickets to a WWE event, probably through SeatGeek with promo code SAM, and I'll be able to be a part of this thing too. That's, that's what I think No Way Jose uh, needs to do. Uh Otherwise, I just don't think it's going to work. Um, we started the Tag Team Eliminator, of course, uh, with the Revival defeating Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Now, I don't necessarily understand that, but I think that Carl Anderson looked like a million bucks in this match. Even though he lost, he looked like a million bucks. You had uh, Mandy Rose defeating Sasha Banks and Paige giving a great retirement speech on Raw, which, of course, uh, things changed on SmackDown. But I really think that Paige's Paige really it's unbelievable that she was only on the main roster for four years. And really one of those years she was gone. You know, really what was it? Probably 
She might have contributed for like two and a half to three years regularly. She did so much. She changed the whole game, man. She started all of this. And I think it's going to take years before people realize how much Paige did as an in-ring competitor. Uh, but I thought the speech was great and very poetic to do it in New Orleans the night after WrestleMania. Uh, then Elias comes out and Bobby Lashley makes his Raw debut. Now, you guys know that this was a goal of Bobby Lashley because you listen to the wrestling podcast. A few months ago, uh, at the at one of the podcast festivals, we did a live show with Bobby Lashley. That podcast is available here in the, uh, in the backlog. Uh, over on iTunes or wherever you get the podcast. You can also watch the video of the interview on the YouTube channel, and he talks about wanting to be back in WWE. And yes, of course, you think of the fact that now we could see Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar, but we could see Bobby Lashley versus a lot of people. I don't think the crowd was crazy for Bobby Lashley, but I am glad. I don't think that Bobby Lashley ever reached his potential as a main event guy uh, when he was first in WWE, and he's a much better wrestler now than he ever was back then. So I am very glad that Bobby Lashley is uh, is here, is back, and is going to get another shot at this thing. I did notice his eyebrows. I don't know if those are painted on or if it's some kind of growing formula or something like that, but uh, they got to figure something else out with the eyebrows. Other than that, guy looks amazing, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he's got to do. Uh, of course, the Kurt Angle TNA drop was as epic as epic gets on Monday Night Raw. Unbelievable. When he, when Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are talking to him and he goes, I heard TNA was hiring. Oh, my God. I lost my mind. And then the Authors of Pain make their main roster debut. I'm kind of bummed out that they're leaving... Uh, what's his name behind? I'm kind of... I'm kind. It says, uh, Corey Graves was all over the New Day in their match making a, bu- oh, uh, making a bunch of page references. Oh, uh, yeah. Well... Corey Graves is fantastic. Um, I was kind of bummed out that uh, 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 Paul Ellering is leaving the Authors of Pain. You know, I think that the the Authors of Pain with Paul Ellering is kind of a great act, and Paul Ellering is a really good mouthpiece. Maybe he just doesn't want to be on the road anymore. Maybe he doesn't want to do the full-time schedule that would be required if he did. You know, if, if Paul Ellering is going to stick around, you don't want to go to a house show and just see the Authors of Pain with no manager. Um, but I think they're going to be really, really successful on the main roster. I think that that is an NXT act that is going to have no trouble getting over because it's just, it's clear who they are. They've only gotten better as time has gone on in NXT. And, uh, yeah, I think they're going to be awesome. I'm really, really excited that they're there. Uh, of course, Roman Reigns and Samoa Joe start their stuff. Uh, and Joe's right, man. It's going to be tough to push Roman Reigns as a good guy because he is making excuses and everything that Joe was saying was right on the money. Um, and then, you know, and that, that was pretty much it. You had a lot of Matt Hardy on Raw, which I liked. You know, I liked that they're really going with that. Uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn struggling to find a job. Interested to see where that goes. Uh, I, I think that something will happen in the shakeup. Obviously, they're going to end up back in WWE. Although, it would be mutual, mutually beneficial. If TNA didn't, uh, if Impact didn't schedule their shows like way in advance, it would be really fun to be able to have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn do one match in Impact and then come back to WWE. You know, if they're going to announce it, if they're going to shout him out anyway, it would really make the storyline more believable. It would help TNA, but it wouldn't hurt WWE any. I think it'd be cool if WWE rented Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn out to TNA for one match. It's never been done before for a company like that. You know, they did rent Christian out 
if I remember right. They rent, they rent, yeah, they rented Christian out. No, they rented Ric Flair in exchange for Christian. So there's been stuff like that before, but in terms of guys having a match, and TNA would only benefit from it, even though technically they're just plugging WWE and allowing a WWE storyline to uh, unfold on their television. I would watch TNA if Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were on it. I think it's a good idea. Uh, it says uh, they need to stop. Ralph says they need to stop with Sammy and Owens. I don't even, that's ridiculous. That's insane. Um, and Josh really liked the Jeff Hardy interaction with, uh, with Matt and Bray. I love that, that Jeff is almost like placating his brother. Like, okay, I'll be brother Nero. And then he's like, don't worry guys. Like, it's almost like he's got this nerdy brother and he's like, ah, he's cool. He's my brother. Just give him a shot. It's cool to see Jeff Hardy back though and get that spot as a, uh, as a main event guy. And he did so in that six-man tag that ended Raw. Oh, what a marathon this state of wrestling is. Let's go to SmackDown so we can make sure we we recap everything. Uh, Paige, great choice for general manager of SmackDown, um, for sure. You know, I, I don't think uh, I couldn't have picked better myself. Some people were like, oh, no, Paige is awkward. Should be Jeff Jarrett. I think Paige is awesome on the microphone. I, I mean, that's all I was thinking about when she was leaving where she's still got so many promos in her. She's just so, I feel like she's a natural on the microphone. And uh, I think she's actually going to be a really, really good general manager. And I think it's going to be good to have a female general manager. You know, we've had her before. We had Vicky Guerrero. But Vicky Guerrero was like the cougar bitchy woman. AJ Lee was like the crazy chick. I think it'd be good to have just a woman general manager without, you know, some stereotype around it. Uh... Uzo's in the New Day, okay, you know, Naomi and Natalia, okay, uh, uh, the Renee Shinsuke interaction was awesome, the iconic duo debuting on SmackDown was terrific, they're just so good, and it, and that's another act that is absolutely going to translate to the main roster, um, and seeing Carmella come out and cash in against Charlotte, you know, it's not, people were like, oh, she beat Asuka, now Char- now Carmella beat her. Like, nobody watched that and thinks, oh, Carmella can beat Charlotte. The whole idea is that Charlotte was just beaten up by two women. Carmella took full advantage. She used the rules of that money in the bank. Now, somebody's got to tell Mike Chioda how money in the bank works. I don't know why he's spending 10 minutes trying to ask uh, Carmella if... She wants to cash in. Also, since when does the referee have to wait for the other person to get up? The whole idea is that you cash in, the bell rings, and you can cover the person. You know, you don't have to... There's no reason for for Mike Kyoto to wait till Charlotte got up. There was definitely some ref gate going on in that interaction. I was really worried that Carmella was going to have an unsuccessful attempt because Mike Kyoto was taking so long. But leave it to Carmella. I love her as women's champion. I love her act. I love her being a bad guy. The screaming is amazing. Perfect candidate for somebody who would cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase like that. Perfect candidate. I think it's awesome. Uh, we're going forward with Randy Orton versus Jinder for the United States t- Championship. You know, okay. I think Rusev versus Jinder is the match people want to see, but, you know, whatever. Randy Orton is the guy. And then uh, Daniel Bryan... Versus AJ Styles. And Shinsuke Nakamura comes out. I think we all saw that. We all saw Shinsuke Nakamura coming out. Um, And I think that you have to do that in order to... Because otherwise you're just having this match that you could save for a pay-per-view on a SmackDown. The idea is that now we can one day revisit 
AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan and actually have a real ending and everything. Um, I love the continuation of AJ Styles versus Nakamura. And I will tell you, though, it was very odd to me that there was no promo from Daniel Bryan. Nothing. He just has a match. It's almost like, okay, back to business. It's been three years. Okay, business as usual. Let's throw Daniel Bryan in there. Daniel Bryan still needs to tell a story here. And they need to give him a chance to tell a story. Daniel Bryan needs to be on the microphone. Daniel Bryan's amazing story of coming back after three years and following his dream needs to be hammered home. Because at the moment, it's not being hammered home. You know, I, I, I think WrestleMania did not take full advantage of what was going on. And right now, uh, the idea that he's just there and he just comes out for the main event and he just wrestles AJ Styles is like, whoa, slow down a minute. Let's interview Daniel Bryan's doctors. Let's talk about what was wrong with him. Let's talk about the road to coming back. Like, let's really sell this thing. Let's sell how much work Bryan really did to come back. It's almost like they're letting him back begrudgingly. And they're just throwing him in there. I think that this this story that Daniel Bryan has gone through needs to really be told because it's one of the best stories in the history of wrestling and it's a real-life story. And I don't know why they're not telling it. Um, but, you know, I really wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on Raw. But here's the thing. Let's read a couple of these comments on Facebook.com slash NotSam. Bryan or AJ are going to Raw. That was one night only because they won't have a chance otherwise. I agree with that. Um... The the uh, one person is saying he thinks that the story is going to be told between the Miz and Daniel Bryan when they get to Raw. Possible. Here's the thing. I want to break down the superstar shakeup. I kind of want to look at both rosters and do our own superstar shakeup on the show. Clearly, I don't have time to do it on the state of wrestling this week. We are almost 90 minutes into just the state of wrestling portion. This podcast is clearly going well over two hours long it's too long and it's going to take me another 45 minutes to break down the superstar shakeup so this is my way of finding out if you guys are listening to the entire show and we're gonna have to do this by like friday maybe i'll do it on friday if you want me to do a bonus podcast where I do the superstar shakeup, all you have to do is let me know. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at NotSam, NotSam.com. Follow me on all social media. And, and Or YouTube. Leave comments on YouTube. Hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And you tell me if you want a State of Wrestling bonus show on the superstar shakeup. Because clearly I couldn't do it on this show. Otherwise, we're going longer than WrestleMania went. But if that's something that you want me to do, and I'll do it live, I'll do it on video, either on YouTube or on Facebook. Tell me if you want to see it on YouTube, you want to see it on Facebook. I will release it as a podcast as well, the audio. And yeah, let me know if you want that on social media after uh, after we do this, okay? Let me know. Thank you all for being a part of the State of Wrestling this week. Thank you all for listening to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And we will see you next week, right here on the internet. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metrics second half 2020 U.S. reported three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.